Another change, I will actually not be using the translation that we have assigned to you. I may be using a different translation. I prefer in some ways a bit better. First, this is Surah Al-Imran. Surah Al-Imran. Imran is the name of the father of Sayyidina Musa salam. And Imran is also the name of another person who is the father of Sayyidatana Maryam radiallahu anha. Here, by Imran, in Ali Imran means the second, means the father of Sayyidatana Maryam radiallahu anha. Alright? This ayah, this surah, is considered by many to be the second greatest surah of Quran al-Kareem after Surah Baqarah. The second greatest surah in Quran al-Kareem after Surah Baqarah. And it also contains a large amount of ahkam and aqaid. And here, whereas in Surah Baqarah there was a long discussion primarily about Jews and Bani Israel, here in this surah Allah SWT is going to discuss in some detail the ahkam pertaining to Christianity and Christians. And also mention the incidents of the birth of Sayyidina Maryam anha, as well as the birth of Sayyidina Isa salam. Although there's a separate surah entirely in Quran called Surah Maryam, which will give even more detail on that. So whatever comes here, we're going to do here. And whatever we're going to do, whatever is going to come later, we will do it over there. First, if you remember that recently in Surah Baqarah, Allah subhanahu wa mentioned Ayatul Kursi. And Allah subhanahu wa began Ayatul Kursi with these same words, Allahu la ilaha illahu al-hayyul qayyum. So here Allah subhanahu wa is actually saying the same thing that he said in Ayatul Kursi, and that I don't need to translate for you again. But here Allah subhanahu wa is also invoking, by making the first sentence, invoking the entire power of Ayatul Kursi. So in some sense you can say that this is an ishara that Allah subhanahu wa now when he's going to start discussing the issues of Christians, he wants to invoke at the start all of Ayatul Kursi. Why? Because Allah subhanahu in that ayah as we mentioned last time mentions his sifat and his tawheed and that he is all powerful and he is free from any want and free from any need. And one aspect of that is he is free from having a son, free from having a child, free from being a parent, fear from, free from being part of a trinity. So this is why Allah SWT has repeated this here. Now Allah SWT is saying that we have re- Allah SWT revealed on you Sayyidina Rasulullah Al-Kitab, the Qur'an al-Kareem, bil-haq, in all truth, musaddikan lima bayna yadayhi, as something that is verifying that which lies before you, wa'anzala Torah wal injil, and Allah SWT also revealed the Torah and the injil. Okay. Min qablu, before this, hudan linnas, as a guidance for humanity. Here Allah SWT is reaching out to the Ahl al-Kitab. Up till now, before, the only thing that was mentioned was that the Qur'an is verifying what came before. Now here Allah is describing the Torah and Jail and saying that the Torah and Jail, when they were revealed in their time, they were also a guidance for nas. 
So it means that the claim that the Quran is making that it is a book and a scripture that is a guidance for all of humanity itself is nothing new because all the previous scriptures when they were revealed in the original time made that same similar claim. وَأَنزَلَ furqan, And now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed something called furqan. The majority view is that furqan here means Quran and it's a particular name given to Quran. It means the ability to decide the criteria, the decider. So it means now the Quran al-Kareem has been revealed to decide between whatever disputes remain between Jews and Christians or between Jews and Christians on one hand and the mushrikeen of Makkah on the other hand or any type of disputes that may remain in humanity. But those who deny and chose to disbelieve in the verses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the signs and rulings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they will face an extremely intense punishment. Wallahu azizun, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all powerful. Now this sifat has come for the first time. It means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the being of vengeance. Vengeance here doesn't mean the way people in English may say revenge. Because revenge in English means a lowly emotion, a reactive thing. Zu intikam means vengeance as opposed to revenge. Vengeance means that when a being which is like, let's say Allah SWT is all-powerful and Aziz Almighty, so when he applies that might justly on that person due to their injustice, that is called intikam. So Azizun means Almighty. The application of that might of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon that being who was unjust, the just application of that might, that is called intikam in the Arabic language. So Allah subhanahu wa intikam, that being who will justly apply his might against the unjust in the akhirah. In Allah Alayhi Shayun that there is nothing that is hidden from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on this earth and nothing that is hidden from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on from what lies above the earth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that being. يُسَوِّرُكُمْ fil arham. He fashions you in your wombs. كَيْفَ يَشَاءُ In whatever way He wants. Now this can mean many, many things. Number one, it can mean gender. Right? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees, part of His decree is, and you may through ultrasound witness that decree or discover that decree, but the ultrasound cannot dictate that decree. Even in certain Western countries where they have invented technologies of gender selection, what they're doing in that is they're using a system in which only a particular chromosome enters the woman's womb, right? That doesn't negate this ayah, because this ayah is not just about gender selection. And sometimes people translate it like that. Allah SWT is talking about the complete fashioning of a human being, which means the organs, the limbs, the flesh, the bones, and also Allah SWT, sometimes in the course of that fashioning, may test someone and certainly test somebody's parents by giving them a baby which may have some type of genetic disease, may have some type of malformed organ or limb or some type of missing attributes such as being blind or being deaf or something like that. Allah subhanahu wa fashions howsoever He wants. Right. La ilaha illahu al-azizul hakim. Now again, you're going to find this, keep coming again, this message of Tawheed. Just a few lines above, Allahu la, ilaha, Allahu la ilaha illahu. Here again, la ilaha illahu. But here, al-azizul hakim, that Allah tells almighty and all wise. He is that being who was sent down upon you, Sayyidina Rasulullah the kitab, meaning the Qur'an. Minhu, and from inside that Qur'an are number one, ayatun muhkamat. That means that there are certain verses in the Qur'an that are crystal clear in their meaning. Muhkam literally means strong, mudbut, right? Carry weight, 
have convincing and clarity in their meaning. Hunna and those ayat, Ummul Kitab, literally it means they're the mother of the book. It means that they're asl of the book, they're the foundation of the book, they're the source of the book. Wa ukharu, and there will be other ayat in the Quran that are what mutashabihat, that there are other ayat in the Quran that are unclear, that are ambiguous, that are not crystal clear in what their meaning is. Let me finish the translation that I will come back and comment on this issue. فَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ زَيْغٌ And for those people who again, kulub, who have in their spiritual hearts, زَيْغٌ And you can say they have an illness in their spiritual hearts, they have a rust in their spiritual hearts, they have a corruption in their spiritual hearts. Means they have the opposite of Qalbun Salim. They have corrupt hearts. They have a corruption and an illness and a disease in their hearts, what are they going to do? فَيَتَّبِعُونَ مَا تَشَابَهَ مِنْهُ What are they going to do? They're going to go after, not the clear ayat, they're going to bypass those clear rulings, and they're going to go and look into certain ambiguous things, and they're going to follow what type of interpretation from the ambiguous things? Those things, مِنْهُ بْتِغَاءَ الْفِتْنَةِ That they're going to follow those things, seeking fitna. And they will be trying to look for some allegorical interpretation. Let me finish the translation because there are quite a few things to comment on over here. Alright. And nobody really understands the interpretation and meaning of these verses except for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And those who are extremely deeply embedded in knowledge have rasukh extremely skilled and capable in their knowledge, yuquluna, what will they say? They won't say that we have done tafsir of it, we have understood it, we have rationalized it, we have done ijtihad on it, we have explained it like no one ever has in the history of Islam. They won't say that. What will the rasikhuna fil ilm, this is the highest level of ilm, what will they say? They will say, amanna, amanna, that we just believe in it. Amanna bihi kullum min indi rabbina. That we believe in it entirely and every single ayah from that Qur'an is from our Rabb. It means that they will realize, their ilm, the height of their ilm will make them realize that that particular meaning of that particular verse is just something to have iman in. They will not be able to understand what that is. وَمَا يَذَكَّرُوا إِلَّا الْأَلْبَابِ And do, they're not obtain guidance and do not follow nasiha except those people who have lub again I did this for you who have a soft sense of the intellect this is a particular type of understanding lub that comes from the heart as opposed to akal which comes from the mind so those who have the understanding of the heart they will understand this and they will make a dua Rabbana la tuzir kulubana remember so they're worried because Allah Ta'ala said in Quran that those people who had what a zayg in their heart would follow the ambiguous things. So they were saved from this, but they're still worried. And maybe because we're such big scholars, we may still try to dive into it. Maybe if at least now we are humble and realize we just have iman in it. But what if later on we slip? So not only do they submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at halan, but they're in the present, but they also make dua for their preservation in the future. They say, Rabbana la tuzir kudubana, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do not let our hearts ever become crooked. Ba'na idh hadaytana, after you guided us, wa hamlana min ladunka rahma, and you bestowed upon us mercy from your own self. 
So even this act of submitting, they don't view it as their wonderful own intrinsic humility that they realize that only Allah Ta'ala knows. They also view that as a mercy from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْوَهَابِ Indeed, you are that being who is all bestowing of everything on humanity. Alright. Let me finish their du'a and their du'a in Rabbana إِنَّكَ جَامِيُ النَّاسِ لِيَوْمٍ لَا رَيْبَ فِي Indeed, our Rabb, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you are that being who is going to gather all of humanity on a particular day in which there is no doubt concerning the existence of that day, the hakikat, the majesty and might of that day that we will all humanity will be presented in front of you. إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُخْلِفُ الْمِعَادِ Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never ever go back on this promise. means that surely and certainly what He has promised will come what he has promised in the Quran is going to come, surely and certainly that will come. Alright, going back to this issue now of muhkam and mutashabihat. Muhkam ayat are those ayat in which the entire ummah agrees that their meaning is clear. Number two, all the other ayat will always be understood in light of that core. So sometimes you may have verses in Quran or Kareem where there are multiple interpretations. One case in that is that those multiple interpretations are all valid simultaneously. In other words, that there may be more than one thing that may be valid. So, the first case is there may be more than one interpretation that is valid. Second case, it may be that there is only one interpretation that is valid and the others are invalid. Right? So as and when those cases come, I will show them to you. Third issue is this issue of mutashabihat. That, the suggestion is here is that that is that verse which should not be interpreted. That is that verse that should not be interpreted but should be believed in. Alright. What does that mean? So I'll give you some examples of the mutashabihat. Most f- f- common example of this, number one, is the huruf muqatta'at. So, alif, lam, ra. This is verse, right? You just did it right here. Here's alif, lam, meem. Sorry, right? Alif, lam, meem, alif, lam, ra. There are different ayat like this that talk about these letters. These are those verses that we believe in them. So, the first verse of Surah Al-Imran is alif, lam, meem. That falls in the mutashabihat. That it is a verse whose meaning and interpretation we don't know. But we believe in it in entirely. We believe in it absolutely to be Qur'an, to be Kalamullah, to be the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Another example of this is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned in Qur'an al-Kareem, Ar-Rahmanu ala al-Arsh This is in Surah Taha, which is Surah number 20, verse number 5. Literally it means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Ar-Rahman, the All-Merciful One, has situated himself on top of the arsh, on top of the throne. But to situate yourself somewhere means that you must have physicality, that you must have corporeality. So this is also an ayah that who understood this? In other words, how are you even going to understand that a verse cannot be interpreted and should simply believed in that's burrasukhuna fil ilm? That's another ishaat al giving. Only those who are deep in their knowledge will understand that. What does that mean that those who are less deep in their knowledge don't understand that this is an ayah that cannot be interpreted and should simply be believed in? Therefore, sometimes they will try to interpret it. And there were a few scholars like that in Islamic history who took very handful, I mean, you would say like 2% 
of the scholars of tafsir who took that view that no, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is actually situated on the throne. So the other 98% follow that view of the Rasakun of Fil'im that this cannot be interpreted. So then in one sense, do we believe in it? Well, Alif, Lam, Mim, okay, we can say we close our eyes and believe in it because there's no meaning whatsoever there. Here, each of these words has a meaning we know. Ar-Rahman is a meaning we know. Allah has a meaning we know. Al-Arsh has a meaning we know. Istawa has a meaning we know. So in this sense, it means that we believe in this ayah, the way it's phrased in Arabic, kama yaliku sha'nahu. We believe that the meaning of this is true. And we won't even say it in English. We will say Allah subhanahu is mustawi on the arsh. And Allah knows best what that means. And, how, and we believe that He is mustawi on the arsh in a way that befits His sha'n. Now what does that mean? That is something, a level of meaning. Because in other words, we're saying that it in a way that is according to and does not negate the muhkam ayat of Qur'an. So for example, another ayah of the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa mentions that there is nothing that is like to him, that he is beyond your imagination. So if we were to imagine Allah Ta'ala situated on the throne in any sense of physicality, corporeality, that means we're going against that ayah. And that ayah is muhkam. That ayah is clear that there is no way that you can imagine any type of physical bodily form to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So kama yuliku sha'nuhu means that we believe in these ayat, the mutashabihat, in a way that befits Allah ta'ala as He has described Himself to be incomparable in the muhkam ayat of Qur'an. There's many examples like this about ayat of Allah. I'll just mention two more words. One word is yad. So for example, in one ayat Allah says, Yadullahi فَوْقَ aidihim That the hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is over their hands. It doesn't mean that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a hand. To have a hand means to have a body, means to have bodily parts, to have appendages. For it to be over then means the hand is physically moved and somehow placed over. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala transcends all such concepts of physicality, spatiality, movement. So what we will say that we believe in that, that Allah ta'ala has a yad, as befits his sha'an, and in, in a way that does not contravene the muhkam ayat of Qur'an. In Islamic history, there was a problem, however, that there were certain theological sects, all of which have died away, don't exist now. But one thing they tried to do, and this is something that people today also try to do, they try to come up with novel and new interpretations of Qur'an. And they feel that their ilmi sha'an lies in coming up with interpretation that nobody has ever, ever had. So they came up with this idea, this wasn't the position of Sahaba Ikram, right? Later on, they come up with the idea that no, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, literally has a hand. You must take it literally. He literally has a hand. It may not be a five-fingered hand like a human being, but he has a hand. And that hand is a part. And it is a part of some type of bodily existence. So in response to that, only in response to that, then the later ulama, such as Abu Hassan al-Ashri and later on al-Jawaini, Imam al-Ghazari, ta'ala, then they came up with a position that, okay, we will, since you're so stuck on literal, you're insisting, these people are insisting that it must have meaning. So we'll say, okay, then we will engage in some type of interpretation and we will tell you that the meaning of Yad is Madad and Nusrat or Kudrat. It means the power of Allah Ta'ala is with them. The help and mercy of Allah Ta'ala is with them. His guiding hand is with them. And don't you see that in human speech sometimes we talk about that, right? We say that he has the hand, right? In fact, I remember there used to be this old mafia group called the hand, <laughs> right? And it didn't mean that they were literally a hand. It meant they used to imprint their hand on doors 
to show that their power extended over this territory. Even they used the hand as a metaphor for the reach of their power. Right? It can also be used to mean the help and nusrat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So these are what a few examples of what the mutashabihat are. Now important for you to understand. None of the mutashabihat have any knowledge in them that we needed for our hidayah in order words, to live a righteous, pious, spiritual, moral life to be on this world, to be successful on the Day of Judgment, to appear in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to make it into Jannah. You don't need to know what the meaning of the word yad is. You don't need to know in what sense Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mustawi on his arsh. You don't need to know those things, right? So they're not part of hidayah in that sense that they don't have any relationship with practice. What is the hidayah contained in? This was the hidayah. This is part of Allah Ta'ala's hidayah. That we must have iman. We must be like these people Allah Ta'ala is citing. That we say, amanna. That we believe in it without trying to interpret it. That is the hidayah of those verses for us. So if we want to follow the hidayah of those verses that are mutashabihat, the way to do that is to simply believe in them without trying to come up with any interpretation for them in any way. This dua that the Rasakuna fil ilm made, this is a dua that we should all make. And this is one of the most famous duas and often recited duas of the Quran. And this is something we should make for our ilm, but also generally. And we can also understand this this way in terms of our amal. Especially after the month of Ramadan. So when during Ramadan your heart feels more spiritually connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then you should make this dua that Rabbana la tuzikulubana ba'da Don't let my heart become corrupt again, hardened again, desensitized again. After you sent your hidayah upon me in this month of Ramadan, and you soften my heart towards the deen, you incline my heart towards you, you increase my heart in love for you. So whenever you feel this is a type of shukr as well, you can read this dua as a type of shukr that whenever Allah SWT bestows a spiritual feeling on you, whether you enjoy something in the Quran, you enjoy some salah, you enjoy listening to adhan, you should recite this dua that Allah SWT, you have sent your fazl and karam and grace upon me. I never want to lose it. Don't return me back to my life of sin after you sent this moment of hidayah upon me. So this is an umumi dua that we should make use of frequently as much as we can. Alright, in the Kafaru. Now here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is Sha'an Azul, that the occasion of this revelation is at the time of the Battle of Badr, when Sayyidina Rasulullah was granted and the Sabiq Rama granted victory. Then they came back, and this was the first battle that the Jews, right, were watching. And they were thinking that maybe the Mushrikeen of Mecca would be able to defeat the Sahaba and the Prophet would come to Medina. When the Prophet and the Sahaba won and were victorious in that battle, and defending the of Islam against the aggression of the Mushrikeen of Mecca Mukarramah, then the Prophet addressed the Jews and said, Look, now that you've seen clearly how much Allah Ta'ala helped us in Badr, now the Prophet invited them to come to Iman. In this sense, then they refused. The Jews refused the Prophet and they refused to accept Iman at this time. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about them. Did I skip an ayah? No. لَن تُغْنِيَ أَنْهُمْ أَمْوَالُهُمْ 
وَلَا أَوْلَادُهُمْ مِنَ اللَّهِ شَيْئًا That the fact that you have wealth and the fact that you have children and progeny will not in any way suffice you or make you independent from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in any way whatsoever. So the riches and wealth that you have and the progeny that the disbelievers have will not suffice them against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in any way whatsoever. But instead, Instead, they will become the fuel of the fire of Jahannam. So here what it's saying is Kadabi means that their ways, their mannerisms, they have the same problems like Alifaron. Now this is a very it's like telling the Jews today that you're like the Nazis. Because telling the Bani Israel that you're like Alifaron is you have become just like the people who used to oppress you. You have the, have the same negative characteristics. What does it mean here that the people of Fir'aun prided themselves precisely on this, on their wealth? on their prestige, on their power. And now the Jews of Medina Manor were doing the same thing. So Allah Ta'ala is addressing them like that in Quran. Right? Just like sometimes people today when they're trying to argue for the Palestinian cause, they try to explain that you are just, you are yourself creating another type of holocaust in terms of your oppression of the Palestinian people. So you've become just like those who, wrong, they wrong, you were wrongfully oppressed and you are now similarly wrongfully oppressing others. So it shows this is a historical trait. Right? وَالَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهُمْ You were like the, uh, your attribute to like the people of Fir'aun and those who came before them, other equally arrogant communities that came before them. كَذَّبُوا بِآيَاتِنَا That number one, that you falsify, you disbelieve in the revelations that come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what's going to happen? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to call them to account, take them to task, بِذْنُوبِهِمْ Because of their sins. وَاللَّهُ شَدِيدُ الْإِقَابِ And indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is intense when He calls someone to task. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is severe in punishment. Next ayah. Oh, okay. The next ayah ay is what, when the Prophet ﷺ after Badr went to the Jews and asked him to this ayah that I just did for you right now, ayah number 11. The occasion of this revelation was that there was a delegation that came to meet Sayyidina Rasulullah And when they came to meet the Prophet ﷺ, one of them had an injury. One of the delegation fell somewhere and hurt themselves. And they were upset that why were they here and they had to come all the way here and meet the Prophet. So he started cursing the Prophet ﷺ. The cursed be that Prophet due to whom I came here as a delegation, right, of Jews to meet this Prophet. So the leader of that delegation said, don't curse him, because he's actually the real Prophet. So then the person looked at his leader and said to him that if he's the real Prophet, then why aren't we believing in him? And so the leader said that, no, well, we've been paid a lot of money by our leaders back home to come here and try to dispute with him and argue with him. But then that person... Right, this is what's written in the books of the seers that that person who fell, when he heard his leader say that he is the real prophet, then he realized that this was a fraud and then he went to the Prophet and he accepted Iman and he became a Sahaba. Right? So here, the rest of them didn't do that, so they refused to believe. So this ayah that I just did for you, Allah subhanahu wa was saying that these people, the rest of the delegation, are unbelievers and their attribute is like the people of Fir'aun and the other arrogant communities that came before them. In what sense? Knowingly, they falsify the ayat, they disbelieve in ayat, even knowing them to be true. Next ayah, which is ayah number 12, the occasion revelation of that is after the time of the battle of Badr, that Sayyidina Rasulullah went to the Jews and invited them to accept Islam. So here, Qul say my beloved messenger, sallallahu to those who disbelieve. So, soon you are going to be defeated. 
Didn't you see what's happened at Badr? The same thing is going to happen to you soon. وَتُحْشُرُونَ إِلَى جَهَنَّمْ And if you are defeated in such a state that you still don't accept Islam, then you will again, then you will, you will die. تُغْلِبُونَ means you will be defeated in battle and then you will be gathered in the afterlife and where will you be gathered? You will be gathered into Jannah. وَبِئْسَ الْمِحَادِ And indeed that Jahannam is the worst abode to ever live in. قَدْ كَانُوا لَكُمْ آيَةٌ فِي فِئَتَيْنِ الْتَقَطَى That don't you see indeed that you have in you a sign in those two groups that met. فِئَةٌ تُقَاتِلُوا فِي سَبِيلَ اللَّهِ One of those two groups was a group that was fighting for the sake and in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala repelling aggression with like aggression and trying to eliminate fitna and establish the true deen on earth. وَأُخْرَى And the other group Kafirutun was denying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, was disbelieving in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what happened? Yarawnahum mithlayhim. Now what happened? Yarawnahum mithlayhim ra'yal ain. What happened here is at the time of the Battle of Badr, and the Mufassir have taken two meanings, the Arabic here could have two meanings. First meaning is that, and this, this meaning comes in Surah Nahl, that the unbelievers, when they saw that the believers, when they saw the unbelievers, they saw them as half. The believers, when they saw the unbelievers on the battle of Badr, it seemed to them that they were half the number, right? So they became more emboldened, they became more strong. On the flip side, some say, no, the unbelievers, when they saw the believers, they saw half. So the unbelievers saw even fewer than they were, so they became a bit more overconfident and a bit more brazen. A second meaning here is, and that's the meaning, that's the ayat surah Nahl. Here in this surah, it's saying that they were doubled. So what does this mean? This means that the Muslims, the, the unbelievers, if they saw the Muslims as double, so they got a bit scared. Or the believers saw the non-Muslims, the kuffar as double, and when they saw them even more, they're already outnumbering them. And when they saw them double, they did even more rajoo to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and they turned even more to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so Allah ta'ala's special help and madad and nusrat came upon them. So, Qur'an al-Kareem, Allah subhanahu is mentioning this miracle. This is one of the ways that Allah subhanahu intervened in the battle of Badr. Wallahu yu'ayyidu bin nusrihi. Allah subhanahu indeed helps with his, aids with his help and madad nusrat. Man yasha, whomsoever he wills, or whosoever group that he wills. Inna fi thalaka la'ibratan. Indeed, in this manner of Allah ta'ala's helping the people, the asaba at Badr, is an ibra, is a lesson, is a sign. Li'ulil absar. To those people who have perceptive insight. To those people who have perceptive insight and can perceive the lessons in these historical realities, that can perceive the spiritual lessons in empirical realities. Now Allah subhanahu is going to make a general statement, for all of humanity. All of humanity has a certain love inside of them. Zuyana literally means adorned with beauty. That they're going to made attractive to all of humanity is what? Number one, hubbu shahawati minan nisai. That they love um, the pleasures that are obtained from women. So this is a feature in all of humanity. Walbanina, and they love to have literally it means sons, but it can also mean children, that they love to have children. Alright? Walkanatira al muknatara. Okay. Walkanatira walkanatiril mukantara. Kanatir means heaps, large amount. And mukantara is an adjective from the same word. So it means heaps and heaps. Heaps and mounds of what? 
min al-dhahbi of gold will fizzati and silver. It means people are going to love money. Okay? So people have a love of women inherent in them, a love of children and family and progeny and lineage in them, and they have a love of wealth and accumulating wealth and massing wealth and hoarding wealth and having a lot of wealth. These three things are put in them. Number four, وَالْخَيْلُ الْمُسَوَّمَةِ Literally it means horses that are branded or marked with a sign. This can mean two things. This can mean that sometimes in Arabian horses, those horses that like have that are all brown or all black, but have a small white spot on their forehead or some particular mark are viewed as exceptionally beautiful. This can also mean then, so that's the literal meaning. If you take the knob, the umum, it can generally mean that they like the finer things. They like fine luxuries, rare things, special things. So for the Arabs it was this, right? For somebody today it may be the boy likes his Mercedes or the woman she likes her. I can't even remember now. I think Gucci is quite outdated. There's another major bag manufacturer for which women actually spend like $3,000 on a bag that probably cost $20 to make. Really? And a watch, I think is one of the most incredible things. The watch probably cost even the Swiss, the best one, even with the 24 karat gold, that one that costs like $25,000, I don't think it costs them more than $1,000 to make. No way. You're paying $24,000 for the name. That's phenomenal. Even in a car, you don't do that. Right? When you upgrade from a Toyota to Lexus, so you pay $40,000 for Lexus, about $30,000, $35,000, $35,000 is easily for the car. It's just a few thousand for the name. But for a watch, the $25,000 watch, $23,000 is just for the name. Right? So that's what is being taught. They like these finer things and luxuries. So you could say in some way, those, those marked Arabian horses were the brand name horses. They fetched a very high price, right? In the horse market. Just because of a mark on them. So just like that, the word letters R-O-L-E-X, just that mark on a watch enables it to fetch a high brand. That's what's going on here. So these things have been put in Nas and all of humanity. Alright. Well, an arm. Now Allah Ta'ala is also certain. There's another group. So farmers, they love their livestock. They want more and more. They want more and more cattle, more and more goats, more and more sheep. Well, harth. And then the person who cultivates loves their crops. They want to have fields and fields and fields and fields, right? Of fruit groves or vegetables or things. So these are all the, and all of this can be understood overall. The ذَلَكَ مَتَاعُ الْحَيَاةِ dunya, And all of this is just the stuff of this world. These are all worldly things. These are the provisions of this world. Wallah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala indahu husnul ma'ab and to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most excellent return, the most excellent abode, the most excellent stuff, the most excellent provisions that lie in the akhirah. Cool. Alright, now say my beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa that should I inform you bi khayrim min dhalikum that's something that is even better than that, better than all of these things that you are attracted to. What is that? لِلَّذِينَ اتَّقَوْ إِنَّ رَبِّهِمْ جَنَّاتٌ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهَا الْأَنْهَارُ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا That for those people who have taqwa. So here's not لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا Here's لِلَّذِينَ اتَّقَوْ That those people of taqwa who fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and specifically the rapt here is fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala concerning these previously mentioned things. Do not let their love of women or children or any of the mentioned things, let them break the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's the specific taqwa that is being referred to here. That their taqwa curtails, their, their taqwa is a ghalib on their inherent love. So one is inherent attraction for these things, 
and one is an acquired and developed taqwa to spiritual, through spirituality and ibadah. So they work on and develop and acquire their taqwa in such a way that it supersedes their inherent desire for these things and because and that superior taqwa makes them stay away from falling into sin because of any of these things. So what will they get? They will get something far greater than these things. Where will they get that from? First, where they get it from is also something. In the Rabbim. One is to buy Rolex yourself and one is for your beloved to give you a Rolex. So the first ishara Allah Ta'ala is giving is in the Rabbim. It's not just they're going to get Jannat. The greatest joy for them is that their Jannat is given to them by Allah. That itself is a greater joy. As opposed to any of those above things that are of the world and given to you by people of the world. That's the first thing, in the Rabbim. And second, what is it that they will get these gardens under which rivers flow and they will dwell therein forever. They will have purified spouses. And what will they have? وَرِذْوَانٌ مِّنَ Allah. Now some people translate Ridwan as gardens, again, but actually Ridwan means and the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the greatest thing. Rather than the pleasure they derive, right, from those worldly things, so they're pleased by having that horse, rather than that pleasure, much greater than that, is they will have Ridwanum min Allah. And another ayah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَرِذْوَانٌ مِّنَ اللَّهِ أَكْبَرٌ That getting the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa is the greatest blessing and bounting, the most spiritually uplifting feeling that a person can have. وَاللَّهُ بِسِيرٌ بِالْإِبَادِ So who can have taqwa ibad? Now here Allah is not going to say now nas. Now comes the word ibad. And Allah subhanahu wa is all watching extremely aware over his ibad. Which of the ibad have taqwa? Which of the people who accept and worship Allah subhanahu wa as devoted servants, which one of them have taqwa and which one of them don't? الَّذِينَ يَقُولُونَ رَبَّنَا إِنَّنَا آمَنَّا These are the people. Who are these ibad who have taqwa? They are the ones who say, رَبَّنَا O Allah our Rabb إِنَّنَا we آمَنَّا Believe, we, we believe. إِنَّنَا indeed we يعني کہنے کہ اے ہمارے رب ہم ہم تو ہم آپ کو ایمان لاتے ہیں what are they presenting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they're not presenting any amal look at the feeling of the dua they're just presenting their iman and then they say فَغْفِرْ لَنَا ذُنُوبَنَا so forgive us for our sins وَقِنَا عَذَابَ النَّارِ and save us from the punishment of Jahannam یعنی متقی لوگ بھی اپنا تقوی نہیں پیش کریں گے they have taqwa they're not going to present their taqwa they're not going to present their amal, their ibad. They're not going to present their ibadah. They're begging Allah Ta'ala out of desperation that, Oh Allah, we have iman in you. Accept this iman on the basis of that iman. Forgive us for our sins and save us from that pun- tormenting punishment of Jannah. Now Allah Ta'ala is going to mention the sifat. What are the attributes of these ibad, of these alladhina taqaw, of these people? As-sabirin, number one. Was-sadiqeen, number two. وَالْقَانِتِينَ Number three. وَالْمُنْفِقِينَ Number four. وَالْمُسْتَغْفِرِينَ بِالْأَسْحَارِ Number five. So five attributes of taqwa are mentioned over here. Number one, sabirin, People who always have sabr. I did this for you a few days ago. I gave you four meanings of sabr. وَالصَّادِقِينَ People who are true and honest and sincere. Sidq means truth and honesty and sincerity. And sadiqin are those people who are true, honest and sincere in every realm. True and honest and sincere, number one, first and foremost, in their relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, aren't hypocrites, are true in their outward and inward, both adherence to the deen. True, honest and sincere in their relationship with Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu Don't just say he's a Nabi, but live their life as if they're his ummati. Follow each and every one of his sunnahs. True, honest and sincere with other people. 
with their fellow believers, true, honest, and sincere with all of humanity. These people are called sadiqin. Number three, qanitin. Qanitin means devoted or devout. That's how I would translate it. Qanitin means devoted and devout. Right? In what sense, right, when we say devout, it means obedient. When you are devoted and you're devout follower of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, means you're always obedient. When you're devoted and devout follower of Sayyidina Rasulullah means you're always obedient. Well, munfiqeen, and those who spend, right, and we did many ayahs in the past couple of days on spending in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. mustaqfirin bil ashar, and those who seek Allah subhanahu wa forgiveness, bil ashar, this is the plural of sahid, this time of suhoor, at the pre-dawn, before fajr, they're up, and what are they doing? They were probably praying tajjud, they were probably doing tilawah, they were probably making dua. But at the end of that, what do they do? So they didn't spend a night sinning and ask Allah for forgiveness. They spent a night praying and yearning for Him, but still they ended that with istighfar. And it shows that fear is ghalib on them then. Even though they spent a night of worship, they end that night asking Allah to forgive them. And today the young man and woman spends the night in sin and doesn't ask Allah to forgive them. It's a big difference between us and the person of taqwa and these ibad. Shahidallahu. So now this person, what does he get? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself is going to be a witness. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself is going to testify. Annahu la ilaha illahu. Again, so the same thing is coming that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now is himself testifying. That there is no being other than I told you is going to keep coming. Now watch this. So the angels are also going to be. And who is Allah Ta'ala joining with the angels here? Ulul ilm means ulama. People of ilm. So this shows you the true alim, the true alim, right? The shan of the true ulama. That Allah Ta'ala has joined them with the angels here. So Allah, and actually joining Allah Ta'ala. Who testifies that there's no being, no God, no deity except for Allah. Allah Ta'ala Himself is going to testify. All the angels will testify. And who else will testify? You would think after Allah Ta'ala Himself testified, there's no need for any being to testify. Also the ulul ilm, the people of ilm. They're a hujjat and they established this tawheed of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala on earth. Qa'iman bilqist. And they're people who are firmly established on justness, on just measure. That is what qist is. La ilaha illahu, again it comes again. La ilaha illahu al-Aziz al-Hakim. Same al-Aziz al-Hakim. Indeed, there's no being, there's no God except for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Al-Aziz almighty, al-Hakim all-wise. Inna ladina indallahi al-Islam. Inna ladina indallahi al-Islam. This has come before, I did this for you earlier, that know that the deen, only and only that is considered deen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What is considered deen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Al-Islam. Al-Islam. So without the al-Islam, without the definite article, Islam in itself refers to submission, obedience, creation of peace through submission. And that is the tradition of all of the Anbiya from the time of Sayyidina up to the Prophet And al-Islam is the name of that ad-deen, right? Al-Islam is the name of that religion that was bestowed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on Sayyidina Rasulullah wasallam. In order to have Al-Islam, you must have La ilaha illallah and Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu So this is the ishara. The first part of the kalima came several times. La ilaha illahu, la ilaha illahu, la ilaha illahu. And here by saying, inna dina illallah al-Islam, the Al-Islam has the second part of the kalima, 
Muhammad Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So it means that for salvation, it's not enough just to believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, one must believe in Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's and his prophet. And that, those who have been given the book and the scripture, meaning the Jews and Christians, what they differ and disagree about. That how are they disagreeing about it after knowledge has come to them? So it's baghyan baynahum, it's a rebellion, it's a, it's a baghawa, right? It's a rebellion amongst them and between them. وَمَنْ يَكْفُرَ And that person who denies the ayat, the verses and signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ سَرِيُّ الْحِسَابِ Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is extremely swift to call that person to account. Now what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was saying here was that some of the Jews and Christians felt that, you know, when will we go and we may live for a hundred years. So relatively speaking, even if somebody lived two hundred years, it's still swift. 200 years compared to an infinite pre-eternity and compared to an eternity afterwards, 200 years is not even a speck on that type of timeline. So no matter how long a person may live, Allah subhanahu is still Sariyul Hisab. And indeed we don't realize that because we are so frozen in our own time. When that day comes that we enter our grave and we are then arisen from our graves on the day of judgment, we will feel that it was swift. We will feel that our life passed away like this. Everyone will feel that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Sari'ul Hisab. Next, in Hajjuka, if they dispute with you, my beloved Messenger, Fakul, say to them, Aslamtu, that I submit, using that same root, right? Aslamtu wajhiya lillah. That I submit, waj literally means my face. It means I submit my whole orientation. I did this for you before. I submit my whole orientation, my whole outlook. I've done a paradigm shift. Lillah, only and only for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wa manittaba'ni. And every one of those who have followed me has also done the same thing. This is sahaba. Sahaba ikram. And waman means in each and every single one. So al Number one, because these are the words of the Prophet ﷺ. So Sayyidina Rasulullah ﷺ in this ayah is establishing that every single one of these followers, i.e. every single one of Sahaba are mu'mineen. No way any one of them can be an unbeliever. And not only is the Prophet ﷺ saying that, this is Qur'an al-Kareem, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is revealing and decreeing from pre-eternal times for all of eternity, man every, man means in each and every single one, ittaba'ni, the truth of the is following me. Each and every one who follows me means each and every sahaba has submitted entirely and exclusively to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is that jamaat. No group of human beings has ever existed. The greatest collective group in the entire history of humanity, Sahaba Karam radiallahu ta'ala anhum ajma'in. Makul and say, my beloved Master Sassam, lilladina utul kitab, to those who have been granted the book, wal ummiyina, and those who were unlettered, unknowing, who were ignorant, right? So this is an ashara also to the mushrikeen of Makkah Makarimah. Say to them also, aslamtum, have you submitted exclusively to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Have you done that? فَإِنْ أَسْلَمُوا If you do that, فَقَدْ اِفْتَدَوْا You will be rightly guided. 
But if you turn your back on this invitation to submit, So now Allah SWT is telling the Prophet that look on you, the only thing that was your duty, that was mandatory on you, was al-balagh, was to simply bring them the message, to make it reach them. That's it, that's your nabut. As far as kuffar goes, your nabut extends to this level, that you must extend and bring that message to them and invite them. Wallahu basir and okay, and this is also something, right? Khair. Wallahu basirun bil ibad. And again, Allah Taala repeats what He had said earlier. And Allah Subhanahu is extremely aware bil ibad with about His righteous servants. Next ayah. The next ayah is number twenty-one. Now, what happens here is the Jews are stubborn. They don't accept this, right? They don't accept this invitation. They don't submit to Allah Subhanahu Taala. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَكْفُرُونَ بِآيَاتِ اللَّهِ And these, those who deny in the verses and revelations and commands and willings of Allah وَيَقْتُلُونَ النَّبِيِّينَ And one of the greatest ways that they did that, one of the most enormously, tremendously terrible ways they did that, they killed anbiya بِغَيْرِ haq. We've done this before. That they killed the prophet, killed prophets without cause. وَيَقْتُلُونَ الَّذِينَ يَأْمُرُونَ بِالْقِسْتِ مِنَ النَّاسِ And who else did they kill? They killed also those people... They killed those people who were who com- who commanded people with justice. They killed those people who commanded people with justice. This is an ishara to the sahab, the true sahaba of those anbiya. It comes, I know, it comes in one hadith that the maximum incident is that on one day they killed forty-three anbiya. On one day, they killed forty-three anbiya. And of those 43 Anbiya, 197 of their Sahaba stood up to fight them, to prevent them from kill, so they slayed those 197 as well. Alright? This also tells you that if Allah SWT is referring to the Sahaba of past Anbiya as Alladina Ya'muruna bil min al nas, then this, this description certainly befits the Sahaba of Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as much. So then what will happen? فَبَشِّرْهُمْ بِأَذَابٍ أَلِيمٍ Now, بَشِّرْ normally means give them glad tidings, right? So this is not a glad tiding, right? بِأَذَابٍ أَلِيمٍ It can also mean that if there is no glad tiding for these people, they have gone so low that it's all bad news for them, then you can use بَشِّرْ what we call مُطْلَقًا So it means and inform them that there is nothing for them at all whatsoever except بِأَذَابٍ أَلِيمٍ than an extremely painful and tormenting punishment for people who kill Anbiya. Alright. It comes in a hadith actually that two, the two, there's several hadith that talk about the greatest crimes, right? And sometimes you will see this in a future in hadith that you will say rationally it seems to be a contradiction because if one of these says X is the greatest, another these says another is the greatest, Right? So actually it just means that in all those hadiths when you take them together, they share in that level of being greatest. There's more than one thing that can be the greatest, right? Just like maybe you may have at some point in time two people who share the record for the tallest man in the world. Now the fact that there are two people who share the record doesn't mean they will no longer be called the tallest. They will still be called the tallest. Got it? Okay. So two of those things that are mentioned as the greatest crimes, one is that person who kills the Nabi, that person who murders a prophet, that's considered one of the greatest crimes. And second, fascinatingly, is that person who is killed by a Nabi. 
is that person who was such an abased kafir that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually had to have one of his prophets, such as we did yesterday. Remember Sayyidina Dawud alayhi salam personally had to kill Jalut, right? So that type of person whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had one of his prophets personally have to kill him, right? That is also considered one of the greatest criminals. All right. أُولَٰئِكَ الَّذِينَ حَبِتَتْ أَعْمَالُهُمْ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ These people who disbelieve in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala right up till the moment they die, they are people whose actions in this world come to naught. Habitat, they totally become erased, they become despoiled, they become destroyed, they become useless. And also in the akhirah they will have no a'mal. So what does this mean? That even if they did good deeds in this world, even if they maybe gave charity, they gave philanthropy, they did humanitarian work, they did relief work, but if they disbelieved in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right, it will mean nothing to them. Now let me give you an example. Right, people say, no, but why, why? So imagine, this is a terrible thing to happen, but imagine. Imagine that there's a husband who is extremely terrible to his wife, who physically abuses her. But he so happens to work in an aid organization, and if you ask all of his colleagues in the aid organization, they say he works day and night in this relief and humanitarian effort. Now do you think in the eyes of his wife, after repeated abuse of years, daily abuse over 50, 60 years, do you think the wife is going to, could, she couldn't care less about his relief and aid work, right? Because in the court, if the wife is the judge, as far as the court in which he is going to be judged on the basis of his relationship with his wife, he cannot bring his relief and aid work, right? Another example I will give you is a murder. So let's say somebody commits a murder in America, first degree homicide with clear evidence, everything. Witnesses and DNA evidence and video surveillance camera, everything. Now do you think the defense attorney is going to present, well, he's given so much in charity. He's such a nice guy. All of his colleagues love him. Will that get him off the hook? No, right? The court will say, no, look, he committed one crime that is called murder. That one single act of murder, that one crime is sufficient to erase everything that he did good as a citizen in that society, makes him unworthy of being in that society, that one crime, and we will put him in imprisonment for life. So if that's the court of this world, then why can you not understand that on the day of judgment, when a person comes to Allah subhanahu with kufr, which is even worse than murder, then the court will decide that that one crime of kufr is such a crime that it, it negates and it destroys habitat, all of their other actions, and that person will be imprisoned in Jahannam forever. They will be given a life sentence of Jahannam, differences than the life sentence of this earth, a person will die, there in the life sentence of Jahannam, their life is eternal. Alright? Okay. And Allah Ta'ala then continues so They finish And such people will have nobody to help them It means no shafa will be accepted for them On the day of judgment In Jannat later when Allah Ta'ala will give another chance Of people to intercede None of that will be accepted for them on the day of judgment They will be sealed Just like in, in, in this world They will say life without parole Right? Kissa <laughs> Finished they can say life without parole and solitary confinement with no visitation rights. That exists. <laughs> That's a real punishment for a single murder. For example, if that person murdered the President of the United States 
In some states he would get capital punishment. Otherwise, what would he get? Life imprisonment in solitary confinement with no possibility of parole ever and no visitors at all. Even if he was the greatest citizen the United States had ever seen prior up to that point. Now you understand what kufr is. Alright? Okay. Alam tara ladina utu nasibam min al-kitab. Okay, now this is that don't you look at those people who have been given a share of the book. Yud'awna ila kitabillah. And now they're being called to the book of Allah means Quran. Layahkuma so that that Quran can decide bainahum between them. ثُمَّ يَتَوَلَّى فَرِيكُمْ مِنْهُمْ But then a group from them spurns back on that. وَهُمْ مُؤْرِذُونَ Such that they are people like that who turn away. وَهَيَّسِ That's what it means. وَهُمْ مُؤْرِذُونَ And their halat is such that they are people who spurn and turn away from the truth. That's the type of people they are. Alright. ذَلَكَ بِأَنَّهُمْ قَالُوا So what is the reason that made them do this? Why are they people who turn away from the truth? Because they have a false belief. This is the lesson of this ayah. Let me tell you the lesson first. If a person has a false aqidah, has a false belief, has a false concept, that false concept many times makes them turn away and spurn the truth. So what was the false concept that the Jews had in this case? Qalu, that group of Jews used to say, لَن تَمَسَّنَ النَّارُ إِلَّا أَيَّامًا مَعْدُودَاتٍ that the fire of Jahannam will not be able to touch us except for a limited specific number of days. What does that mean? No problem. Worse comes to worse. So there are several false cities in this conception. Number one, they have no such guarantee like that, that they are going to be saved from an etern- eternality in hell. Second misconception is what makes them think they can even handle that? What makes them think? Look, me and you, none of us think we can handle prison. None of us think like that. Do you think that when you make, when you do a crime, that you know I'll just be in jail for ten years? You shake at the thought of being in jail for one night, right? That's the right way to conceive about jail. If somebody said that to you that it's okay, at most I'll go to jail for ten years, you would say you have a completely false understanding of what jail is. If you understood what it was, you wouldn't even want to be there for a day. So the second aspect of their false concept is they thought they could handle jannah for even ayama ma'adudat. No insan has the jur'ah, the himma, should have the boldness or audacity to ever dream even that they can handle even a fraction of the fire of Jahannam for even a fraction of a second. But this false understanding they had, that is what made them become people of people mu'ridun. So let's see what is another way you can translate mu'ridin. Uh, mu'ridun, those who flagrantly turn away. Those who flagrantly and boldly turn away. Alright. فِي دِينِهِمْ مَا كَانُوا يَفْتَرُونَ So in their deen, sorry, أَيَامَ مَعْدُدَاتِ وَغَرَّهُمْ فِي دِينِهِمْ And what has deceived them in their deen, what مَا كَانُوا يَفْتَرُونَ That which they have been, um, that which they have been deceived about, or that what has deceived them in their deen, those things that they, make up about their deen. You can say, يفترون, those things that they made up. In other words, this is not written anywhere in the Torah, that the Jews will only be in Jahannam for a short period of time. So watch this very carefully. Now the lesson, things that people make up about their deen, that are not sabit, they will lead a person to have an incorrect conception of deen, and will actually prevent them from real deen. And this is the great danger, especially today we live in an age where there are people who abuse Qur'an and make up things about Qur'an. 
and you see that when they start making up things about Quran, I'll be mentioning a couple of those things to you today later on, then they're kept from their entire deen. They're kept from the right understanding of their deen. وَغَرَّهُمْ They fall into deception regarding it. فَكَيْفَ إِذَا جَمَعْنَاهُمْ لِيَوْمٍ لَا رَيْبَ And how will it be? فَكَيْفَ means what will be their hal? What will be their state when we gather all of them لِيَوْمٍ to such a day لَا رَيْبَ That there will be no doubt whatsoever. So they are in rape about their deen. There is some confusion, deception about their deen. What's going to happen then when they come in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on that day? But there's no deception and confusion. And each and every soul, each and every person will find and be paid in full recompense for what they earned and did. And no single person will be unjustly treated or wronged in that day. Cool, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now saying, Allahumma sayyibah was teaching to make this dua. Allahumma malik al-mulki. Oh my Allah, oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you are malik al-mulk, you are the sovereign who has all sovereignty, the sovereign over dominion, the ruler of the, the king of the kingdom. Tu'til mulka man tasha'u, that you bestowed sovereignty and ruler, rulership on whomsoever you wish. Watanzu'ul mulka mim man and you deprive of kingdom and sovereignty whomsoever you wish. Alright, this I explained to you yesterday that it doesn't have the, op- the, the converse meaning. Those of you who were here yesterday would remember. With the izzu man tisha'u, dhillu man and you send your izza and your honor and grace, and you endow with grace and honor whomsoever you wish, dhillu, and you can send disgrace and disrespect and embarrassment on whomsoever you wish. Biyadak al khair. So he's another example of yad, right? Biyadak al khair means in your decree lies khair. All khair is only going to come from your decree and your will and your wish and your power. Innaka ala kulli shayin kadir. Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all powerful on every single thing. Here the next Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to give some examples of his kudrat, of examples of that power that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has. Number one, tulijul layla fin nahari wa tulijul nahari fin layl. Literally it means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will cause the night to enter the day and will cause the day to enter the night. This can mean several things. This can mean, number one, that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala causes night and day to keep alternating. Number two, it can mean day entering into the night mean that when the night wanes and the day spills over into a time that used to associate with night. So for example, in England, these days Maghrib is like at 9.30, whereas in the winter, Maghrib was like at 6.00. So as the seasons change, the day starts entering into the night, meaning the daylight hours start extending into hours that were nighttime. And you could take this to an extreme level at certain points of the world where there's six months daylight and six months night. All right? Second sign Allah Ta'ala gives of His power. وَتُخْرِجُ الْحَيَّ مِنَ الْمَيَّةِ وَتُخْرِجُ الْمَيَّةَ مِنَ الْحَيِّ And Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala can bring out the living from the dead and bring out the dead from the living. This can mean many things. This could be one Quranic answer to the question that what came first, the chicken or the egg? This could be one answer to that, right? <laughs> Another way, it can also mean that Allah subhanahu brings iman out from hearts that had were empty of it, were dead in terms of their iman. So that's a good thing. But the other thing, it also means that Allah subhanahu may create an absence, a death of iman from that heart of a person who had iman. You can lose your iman. You can lose your kufr and gain iman, and you can also lose your iman and gain kufr. Alright. And Allah subhanahu sends His provision and sustenance on whomsoever He wills. First of all, what can mean physical sustenance, right? Your 
your physical, worldly property and possessions. It can also mean spiritual sustenance. Allah subhanahu bestows taqwa, himma, sabr, shukr, zikr, tawfiq to do ibadah, haya on whomsoever he wishes. Baghayr hisab, baghayr hisab can mean number one, what normally people say without knowing where it came from, right? Without any ability to account for it, to count it, to track it. A second meaning, baghayr hisab means without bringing any difficulty to people. Because you did this before, hasibtum, hisab also means to call, call people to account. And third, بغير hisab can also mean without asking. بغير mutalaba, Without the person asking, Allah Ta'ala can send risk on that person. لا يتخذ المؤمنون الكافرين أولياء من دون المؤمنين This is a very important ayah. وَمَنْ يَفْأَلْ ذَلِكَ فَلَيْسَ مِنَ اللَّهِ فِي شَيْءٍ إِلَّا أَن تَتَّقُوا مِنْهُمْ تُكَا Alright, there's several things. Go, let me finish this. Several things going on in this ayah. First part of this ayah, so we are reached ayah number 28 now. First part of this ayah, that those, the mu'minun, the believers, should not take kafirin, unbelievers, people who, those who believe in Allah, should not take those who disbelieve in Allah. Those who love Allah should not take those who don't know Allah. Those who trust Allah should not take those who mistrust the very concept of Allah as awliya. Now sometimes they say translate this as friends. There are different words for friend. There's khalil, there's rafiq, there's siddiq, and there's wali. This word has been used by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Quran that who is supposed to be the wali of the mu'mineen? Allah. Allahu waliyul amanu. In fact, today we're going to be doing in a little bit Allahu waliyul mu'mineen. It's coming in Surah Al-Imran. Allahu waliyul mu'mineen. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the wali of the mu'mineen. Now given that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the wali of the mu'mineen, do you think those mu'mineen who have Allah ta'ala as their wali, would it make any sense whatsoever from them to take unbelievers as their wali? So what does wali mean? Awliya is the plural of wali. It means protecting friend, dear friend, heart friend, bosom friend. It means that that person or entity you are so intimately close to that your heart lies in their power. Your happiness lies in their power. So that's why Allah Ta'ala is our wali because our happiness is based on Him. Our heart has been given to Him. So Allah Ta'ala is saying is that level of relationship you shouldn't have with the unbelievers. Can you be business partners? Sure. Can you be cordial friends? Yes. Can you be classmates? Sure. Can you be colleagues? Sure. Can you be trade negotiators? Yes. Can you be fellow ambassadors? Yes. Not awliya. No. That you can't do. That you can't do. I'll give you another example. If there was somebody who denied that your mother was your mother, this person is denying that Allah is your Rabb because he says Allah doesn't exist. He's denying that Allah is your Rabb, denying that Allah Ta'ala is your Khalik, denying that Allah Ta'ala is your Malik. If somebody denied that your mother was your mother, tell them maybe for the sake of business you could deal with them, maybe in other ways they're a nice guy, right? But deep down the fact that they denied, the, that would always be gnawing at you, right? It would always be that you would never forget that. That this person actually thinks that my mother isn't my mother. That's how the moment's supposed to be with the unbeliever. You can never forget their kufr can still treat them extremely nicely, politely, cordially, professionally, colleague, cordial friend, etc. You can be a good host to them, you can be a tour guide to them. But not all the are. You shouldn't depend on them. 
And if you take this as understanding plural, so it means collectivities of believers should not depend on collectivities of unbelievers, as opposed to depending on collectivities of other unbelievers. For give you an example, so when Serbia attacked Bosnia, why did the Bosnian Muslims have to wait till the very end that NATO made some baby airstrikes after tens of thousands of women were raped? Why weren't the Mu'minun there? Why didn't the Pakistani Air Force do those airstrikes? Why didn't the Malaysian Air Force do those airstrikes? Why did NATO have to do those airstrikes? It's a problem, right? It's a problem. They won't wait for... I mean, why did the Bosnians wait for them? They would never wait for us, right? If Mexico attacks America, that would never happen. But if Mexico attacks America, the Americans aren't going to wait for the Pakistani Air Force to come and do airstrikes for them. But the Bosnians had to wait. The Muslims didn't help them. That's the problem, Right? And now that made the Bosnians think we should try to join NATO. Because they saw, who came to help us out, even if it was too little too late, but who was it, even who did that much, it wasn't the many. So much so that even Turkey is a member of NATO and Turkish planes weren't used for that. To the best of what I recollect. Something to think about. That's a problem. That's a problem, right? That's a problem. All right. So this is what this ayah means, alright? Another way to understand this ayah is that the meaning of awliya means that your fr- another additional way is that that friend is called a wali who has an effect on you. As you're so intimately close to them, you've opened up to them so intimately that now who they are has an effect on you. This is called intiqal sifat their attributes will come into you. That's why in the Sawwuf, in the spiritual tradition of Islam, a person tries to make a wali their shaykh. Because wali means that that person's whose sifat come into you. So you want that person, right, who is a pious Muslim, you want to enter that relationship with that person who is a pious Muslim. So there's danger here that their sifat will come into you. All right. In any case, Allah Ta'ala is saying it in Quran. What more do you need? And Allah Ta'ala is saying, and that person who does so, فَلَيْسَ مِنَ اللَّهِ فِي شَيْدٍ They will have nothing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nothing. They have nothing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It means that Allah said, I am your wali, Allah wali mu'mineen. And instead of me, you chose to make those who deny me, reject me, disbelieve in me your wali. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and in that case, such a person will have nothing from me. Alright. Then what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? إِلَّا except that you have to safeguard yourself from your enemies. Okay. Here, the Shias, and when I talk about Shias, I'm only going to tell you what they themselves say. I myself have nothing to say about them. I will only share you what they write about themselves. They have a concept from this ayah, one of the main ayahs they take, which is called taqiyya. And they feel that that means that you can lie. Right? for the sake of some religious motive. All right. This is a very awkward thing, right? Because in this really, uh, it makes understanding history, it makes understanding hadith, it makes understanding Islam extremely difficult. So, in order to make you understand this, so their understanding, for example, from their own classical, and this is not what many contemporary Pakistani Shias are actually secular. They have no idea even themselves. Like most Pakistani Sunnis have no idea themselves what is written in the classical books of Sunni law and theology. The vast majority of contemporary Pakistanis have no idea what's written in the classical books of Shia law and theology. But the classical books of Shia law and theology take this so far that they say, Sayyidina Ali, you see, 
My feeling is the reason they came up with this doctrine is there's a very logical question that a person would ask. That if Sayyidina Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu was really the Imam and the heir and the one after the Prophet then for him not to try to ascend to that, for him to never say that, for him to give bayah to all of those first three, first three Khulafai Rashidun, for him to fight under them and with them in many different battles that took place between Sahaba and other unbelievers, that jihad continued the fighting, aggression, and fighting fitna continued even after the time of the Prophet it wouldn't make any sense. So their doctrine was very simple, that he was lying the whole time. He was faking the whole time. Now, that to me, wouldn't that doesn't make Sayyidina Ali Radhatunu Allah Ta'ala save him from their false accusations, that doesn't make him seem very good to me. Imagine if I told you the same thing about the Prophet to show you how taqiyah is a concept that doesn't ennoble a person, it's ignoble. If I told you the Prophet was the same way, that in Makkah Mukarama actually he really was supposed to pray towards the Qibla, but he did taqiyah for 16, 17 months, and he concealed what he knew. And if you look, didn't you see up till now, so many verses when Allah Ta'ala was addressing Bani Israel and then also generally saying, don't conceal what you know, don't conceal. Remember I kept translating, do not conceal what you know. And those who conceal what they know, those who conceal what they know get punished. Those who conceal what they know are wrongdoing. Those who conceal what they know are this. So always remember, you have, must understand any single verse of Qur'an in light and in accordance with all the other verses of Qur'an. You cannot pluck out a verse and extract from a single verse some philosophy and concept that has no basis anywhere else in Qur'an and more importantly goes against many other verses in Qur'an. Okay. So then what is Allah Ta'ala saying here then? What does it mean? What does this part mean? It means that sometimes, right? Sometimes, in terms of your enemy, right? Sometimes in terms of your enemy, this is sort of what they say that, uh, what is it saying? Keep your enemies closer than your friends. Right? This is what it's saying, that keep your enemies closer than your friends. This is an outward thing. This is not the heart one, right? This is the outward thing. This is an outward thing. Okay. وَيُحَذِّرُكُمُ اللَّهُ nafsa, And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to instill fear in you regarding your own, regarding itself. وَإِلَى اللَّهِ الْمَسِيرِ And to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala belongs the ultimate return. Now here, now look immediately after as I said, قُلْ إِن مَا فِي صُدُورِكُمْ And if you hide what is in your breast, is what you harbor in your heart, what you feel in your emotions, أَوْتُبْدُوهُ Or you share them and you reveal them, Either way, it doesn't make a difference. Ya'lamuhu Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will know them completely. وَيَعْلَمُ مَا فِي السَّمَوَاتُ وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ And He is the being who knows every single thing that is in that which lies above and every single thing that lies on this earth. وَاللَّهُ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْنْ كَدِيرٌ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all-powerful over everything. يَوْمَ تَجِدُ كُلُّ نَفْسٍ مَا أَمِلَتْ مِنْ خَيْرٍ مُحْذَرًا That day of judgment will be the day that every single person will see in front of them muhdar and hadir present in front of them every single thing that they did of khair. So know that everything good that you do will be there waiting for you on the Day of Judgment. وَمَا أَمِلَتْ مِنْ And every single thing that you did from evil will be there in the Day of Judgment. Everything. Some ulama have said here that the Book of Deeds will be a thing that in one glance you can see everything. So like one huge page or one type of document or some form in which you can read it. 
So Shaykh Masif Rahman, when he was covering this, he gave the example of a CD that stores 700 meg, or USB stores 816 gig. So on one type of device, you can imagine on the Day of Judgment, that however many gigabytes of your A'mal will be placed there in one glance for you to see. Right? Just like when you stick the USB in, the computer can read it. The CPU reads it at a glance and it's all there. The entire directory is there in the computer's CPU. Alright? So what it means here, the reason I'm mentioning this, is that seeing the totality of your life in one shot is also going to be an extremely humbling experience for people in the Day of Judgment. Just the weight and the enormity of seeing your whole life in front of you in one shot, not replaying it for another 70 years. In one millisecond of a glance, being able to see every single good and bad that you did and said and felt and thought. Alright. So what will happen to that person? Uh, So what will happen to that person when he sees this? uh, What will that person want? That person will have a yearning or that person will have a feeling. What will that person's feeling be? That they will wish that there will be a great distance. They will wish the waddu, their wudda. means really they will love. Lo anna baynaha wa baynuhu. That between them and that record of their entire life that is screaming back their entire life at them in one shot. Amadam ba'ida. That there will be a vast distance between them and that. Between them and the very life that they lived. <laughs> It's something to think about. Well, why should you be distant from that? You lived it yourself. You chose it yourself. You said those things yourself. You looked at those things yourself. You did those things yourself. But on the Day of Judgment, when a person is confronted with all of that, their heart's desire will be that I wish I could flee from it. I wish there could be a vast between me and my own life. Thus they will reject their own selves. Allahu Akbar Kameera. Ajeeb. Day, this Day of Judgment is... So this ayah is coming again that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling you to be scared nafsahu of him. Be scared of him. Be scared of his own zat. Be scared of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself. But also know wallahu ra'ufum bil ibad. And this is one of the beautiful features of kalamullah in the kitab Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keeps alternating from fear and compassion. Fear and compassion. Wallahu ra'uf bil ibad. That if you were entered the ibad and muttaqeen, then you can be content that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is compassionate. You still have the fear, but the fear is joined with the knowledge that Allah ta'ala is compassionate. Ra'uf means compassionate with His servants. Go in kuntum tuhibbun allaha fattabi'uni. Yuhbibkum allahu wa yakfir lakum dunubakum. Wallahu ghafuru rahim. This is a very important ayah, and you may have heard me say this many, many times in different lectures. Kul. This ayah is actually that there were some people who thought, and still to this day, some people who think, that all they have to do is follow Qur'an, all they have to do is follow Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they have no need for the Prophet ﷺ and his sunnah. And they claim that they can even love, they can reach a maqam of lover of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on this basis. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is answering that person that you cannot love me directly, you can't do it. Qul, say my beloved messengers unto such a person. Tell them, in kuntum tuhibbun Allah, that if you love Allah, if you claim and want to be true to your claim that you love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, fattabi'uni, tell them that they should follow you. There's no direct path to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there's no bypassing the sunnah. There is no, I have my own relationship with God. SNA. You don't. Who are you to have your own relationship with God? 
you have the relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He has decreed for you, and that is called Sratul Mustaqim, that is called Deen of Islam, that is called Quran, that is called Sunnah, that is called Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the name of that being, that you must come to Him on His terms as He dictates to you, not the name of that being that you come to Him on your terms as you wish and please. No. So that's what Allah is saying. فَاتَّبِعُونِ You must come through the sunnah, follow the sunnah. So then if the person asks, that, okay Allah, now do you accept me as your lover? I bring the sunnah. Allah Ta'ala says, not only are you my lover, يُحْبِبْكُمُ Allah, you are my mahboob. Allah Ta'ala will love them. وَيَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ ذُنُوبَكُمْ And Allah will forgive for you all your sins. وَاللَّهُ غُفُورٌ رَحِيمٌ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all forgiving, all merciful. So this ayah establishes the incredible sha'an of the sunnah of Nabi Kareem sallallahu that it following the sunnah of the Prophet enables a person to become the highest level of insan, mahboobullah. That is the power of sunnah. Means that every single atom of sunnah has mahboobiyah in it. And that's not just for men, the sunnah teachings for the women as well. So when the Prophet taught his female sahabiyat to cover themselves, and those ayats are coming and we're going to do them in full force and detail, that makes a person more beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's how a woman should think. And that should be our niyat in what we do. That we are doing things to make ourselves more beloved to Allah. Adi'ullaha wal rasul Obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and obey the Prophet wa And if you turn your back on the obedience to the Prophet, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُحِبُّ الْكَافِرِينَ So look how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about the person who doesn't obey the Prophet. He's kafir, he's unbeliever. It means he's ungrateful, denying. Denying one thing, the sunnah, denying nubuat. And what is the word Allah ta'ala uses for that person? لَا يُحِبُّ لَا يُحِبُّ Allah won't love you. Won't love you. So in order to love Allah, you must have sunnah. In order to be loved by Allah, you must have sunnah. If you don't have sunnah, la yuhibbu, Allah Ta'ala won't love you. It's Qur'an. إِنَّ اللَّهَ اسْتَفَاءَ Okay, now Allah Ta'ala is going to mention. Now this is the preface to the, the mention of saying that Isa Islam is coming. So Allah Ta'ala is now is going to give a preface to that. Some prefatory comments. And this is really just one of the most beautiful, actually it's amazing... And I think it's one of the, I feel it's one of the mercies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the way he tried to invite Christians to deen of Islam. That he is going to so beautifully explain Christianity, real Sayyidina, Mar- Sayyidina Maryam Madana and Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam in the most beautiful way and some of the most beautiful Arabic as well. إِنَّ اللَّهَ اسْتَفَى آدَمَ وَنُوحًا وَآلَ إِبْرَاهِيمَ وَآلَ إِمْرَانَ عَلَى الْآلَمِينَ Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa selected and chosen Sayyidina Adam Nuh and the all of Ibrahim means Ibrahim and all the Anbiya that were descendant from him, including Sayyidina Rasulullah Sayyidina Isa Sayyidina Musa and all of them, wa'ala Imrana, and the same Imran, the father of Sayyidina Maryam Adanha, Al-Alameen. Allah has preferred them over all the worlds. So the Nanbiya and Mursaleen are the greatest creation of Allah subhanahu wa in all of his worlds. How tragic is it then that the scientist spends his life looking at the black hole or the molecule or the quark and he doesn't realize at all. He's completely oblivious to, the atheist scientist is completely oblivious to the greatest thing that Allah Ta'ala has created in the Alameen and that is the Anbiya and Mursaleen. 
Zuriyatum ba'dhuha mim ba'd means that they were all they were some were children of another means Sayyidina Adam alayhi is the father of all of them all of insan then the flood came and wiped all human beings out so Sayyidina Nuh alayhi is again the second father of all of insan and Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi is from the lineage of Sayyidina Nuh alayhi and then all the other prophets after Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi are from his lineage so this is what it means all right well but this shows you not everyone of the lineage becomes a prophet. So the asal thing is not al or lineage, the asal thing is nabuwat. The asal thing is not al or lineage, the asal thing is nabuwat. Wallahu sami'un alim and Allah subhanahu is all listening and all knowing. إِذْ قَالَتِ امْرَةُ إِمْرَانَ رَبِّ إِنِّي نَذَرْتُ لَكَ مَا فِي بَطْنِي مُحَرَّرًا فَتَكَمَّلْ مِنِّي إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ السَّمِيعُ الْعَلِيمُ So this is a dua that all of the Muslim women who ever have the blessing and grace of Allah SWT to be pregnant should make. They may make a slightly, slightly different niyat which I will explain to you now. Imra'atu Imran is a sort of chivalrous way in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala means the woman of Imran means the wife of Sayyidina uh, Imran alayhi salam who is also a Nabi alright her name is Hanna radiallahu ta'ala anha now what happened to her her story is as follows that she had a son by the name of Harun and that's going to come later and her son passed away now what she wanted she wanted another child and she wanted a son and for what niyat she wanted to pledge that son for ibadah and khidmah of Baytul Muqaddas. So this is not there in our Sharia. In our Sharia, la rahbaniyata fil Islam. There is no monasticism in Islam. But in their Sharia, the Sharia, the laws of Sayyidina Imran al-Islam, this was a noble act that you give up a child to a place of worship. And as a baby, you give them to that place of worship. And all they're raised in that place of worship and they spend their whole life doing just to worship in that place of worship or khidmat. Right? Of that place of worship. That was in their sharia. So this was her intention. And in Baytul Muqaddas at that time, this was something that they only took boys for. Okay, it's important to know. So it's not an overall gender thing. There was a particular purpose for which she wanted a boy. Because she lost one boy, so she felt to compensate that because it was part of her deen that she wanted another boy and she would pledge that boy to Baytul Muqaddas. So this is what she's saying, that inni nadartu. So, the Muslim woman today won't make this intention of making the child a monk, but she will make the intention that I want my child to live and function in society, but I want to give him up for understanding of deen, khidmat of deen, revival of deen, establishing deen, spreading deen, being a light of deen. Alright. But she can say the same words. Inni nadartu, so I pledge to, laka to you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whatsoever is in my womb means that she didn't know at that point. Is she having twins? Is she having boys? Is she having girls? Whatsoever is in my womb. Muharrran freely for you, fatakambal minni, accept it from me. In the kantasmirlim, indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you are all listening and all knowing. Falamma wada'atha, and then when she literally placed, when she gave birth, you can say, when she gave birth to that baby, qalat, she said to her, to Allah, Rabbi, O my Rabb, inni, Indeed, I have wadatuha unsa. I have given birth to a girl. So she wasn't sad because it was a girl. She was sad because her plan of giving the baby to Beitul Muqaddas, that had, she needed a boy in order to do that. Do you understand? There's nothing negative about being a girl. In fact, you're going to see in a moment. 
Wallahu a'lamu bima wadat. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, yeah, Allah ta'ala kek, yini, how can I explain to you in English? When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was saying that the Marine brother has a jeep, loving relationship, and you get that the way lovers would talk to us. So he's like, he said, Wallahu a'lamu bima wadat. Look at this girl, she's telling me, oh Allah, I gave birth to a girl. Allah saying, I know what you gave birth to, I'm Allah. <laughs> that's what, that's the feeling of this in Arabic. Wallahu a'lamu bima wadat. Allah is smiling at her. I know what you gave birth to, because I'm Allah. And I also know what you gave birth to, because I did accept your dua. I also know what you gave birth to because I accepted your du'a by giving you a baby that is infinitely better than a boy who would have done khidmat of Beit al-Muqaddas. And I wanted to select you for a special purpose because you made such a beautiful du'a for me that you wanted to, even you were wanting to give up to me the baby even before it was born. So what did I do? I selected your baby for something greater. And that something greater is something no man could do. I selected her to be the mother of Isa alayhi salam. So for my purposes of selection, I needed a girl. So, Wallahu a'lamu bima wadat. I know what Allah Ta'ala knows better. And Allah Ta'ala fully knows with what she gave birth. Hey, somebody. So that's what this verse means. It doesn't mean that, oh, you know, uh, women aren't as good as men. The feminists are unnecessarily taking out their sword on us. Asini. What it means is that a man is not good enough as a woman for this purpose of being a mother to Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam. A man is not suitable or anywhere near good enough for the purpose of being a woman who is going to be, have a miraculous, immaculate birth. A man is not, you can do it. That's what this verse means. Got it? Alright. وَإِنِّي سَمَيْتُهَا مَرْيَمَا and Allah Ta'ala is saying that I've given her her name. I call her Maryam. Now, let me teach Let me teach you something a little bit here as well. So this woman, Hannah, right? The wife of Sayyidina Imran uh, gives birth to this baby. She's going to call her Maryam, right? But Allah Ta'ala is saying that I have given her the name Maryam. So it means that Allah Ta'ala is going to send what is called ilham. It's very important for you to understand, it's going to come here, several key features here. Let me explain this to you. There's a common misconception that Allah Ta'ala only communicates with prophets. That's wrong. Allah Ta'ala communicates with non-prophets. The difference between the communication is captured in the two Arabic terms, wahi and ilham. Wahi means scriptural revelation. So Allah Ta'ala bestows scripture, be it an entire kitab or book, or, or sahaif, manuscripts, pages, or even ayat. Allah Ta'ala bestows scriptural revelation only on prophets. But non-prophets can also get the communication of Allah Ta'ala to them. Because the wife of Sayyidina Imran, Hanna, she's not a prophet. Non-prophet. Prophethood has completely ended. So there will never be any wahi after Qur'an. But ilham has not ended. Allah Ta'ala can still send some type of inspiration or in a form of communication to people today. And one example of that is Salatul Istikhara. The whole dua of Istikhara is you're actually asking, even the words of the dua is that Allah Ta'ala communicate, inspire to my heart, inspire my heart with what? Decision is better for me or not in terms of my akhirah, my deen, as well as my dunya. So you're, you're making dua to receive a type of ilham. That's called istikhara. 
Alright, so he must have, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala must have revealed to her to call her Maryam. Right? Okay. What does the word Maryam mean? Maryam means ada abida. Has two meanings, abida and khadima. It's exactly the two sifat that were matloob for doing this khidmat in Baytul Muqaddas in any case. وَإِنِّي أُئِذُهَا بِكَ وَذُرِّيَتَهَا مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ Alright. This ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning a particular type of protection. Now some of the mufassirun have commented, have tried to take out, what he's saying is that an eye will seek protection. Oh sorry, this is a... I made a mistake there. We have to go back. This is Hanna, uh, saying this. That other part of Maryam being a wali is coming later. Hanna is saying that in, she is telling Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I have given her the name Maryam anyway. Because even though I wanted a boy, right, to be an Abid and Khadim of Beit al-Muqaddas, and you bestowed upon me a girl, I'm still, because I still feel that you have accepted my dua, so I'm going to give her the name Maryam, because the word Maryam means Abida and Khadima. And وَإِنِّي ha Bika And I, Bika, is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and indeed I, Hanna, Bika, with you, I'm going to entreat you, plead with you, that you save her, وَذُرِّيَتَهَا And whoever her offspring will be in the future, مِنَ shaitan الرَّجِيمِ From shaitan the rejected one. So again, she makes dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Right? And look at this woman's foresight when the baby was in her womb, she was making dua for her. The baby has just come out and she's already worried about the next generations that are going to come. Alright. This is also a lesson for the women, right? And what is she worried about? She's not worried about money, she's worried about protection from shaitan means that she's worried about the person being on deen, right? Person being pious and righteous. So if, and this is what the Muslim Ummah needs today, we need women to have this attribute of Sayyidatana Maryam radiallahu anha, that they're worried about the deen and taqwa of their children. They're worried about the deen and taqwa of generations to come. فَتَكَمْبَلَهَا rabbuha. And now so Allah is speaking in the third person, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepted this Maryam, Rabbuha, the Rabb of Maryam, accepted her. بِكُبُولٍ hasanin. With a virtuous, noble, excellent, beautiful kubuliyat. Maximum kubuliyat. وَأَمْبَتَهَا نَبَاتًا hasana. Ambat normally is used for growing plants. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, and we raised her or caused her to grow in the best way. So this is showing that what is the way that you can have this wish that your child is on deen and is protected from shaitan, accepted. You need a nabata hasana. You need a virtuous upbringing. You need patterbiya. You need ta'aleem. So this is giving an ishara to all the fathers as well, but to the women as well, that they have to have, take care and make arrangements for a virtuous upbringing. وَكَفَّلَهَا Zakariya. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying that Allah ta'ala made Sayyidina Zakariya alayhi salam, who was also a prophet of the time. Now I should tell you that Sayyidina Imran alayhi salam, he passed away during his wife's pregnancy. So when baby Maryam woke up, she was an orphan, her father passed away. And he was also a prophet, so that prophet had passed away. But Sayyidina Zakariya Islam is alive. So you're going to see at this time, there's in the time from Sayyidina Musa Islam to Isa Islam, many times there were many, many Anbiya alive simultaneously. So here you have 
First Sayyidina Imran, Sayyidina Zikriya were alive together. Then Sayyidina Zikriya and Sayyidina Isa were alive together. There's going to be another one coming, Sayyidina Yahya salam. So you have lots of prophets coexisting. This is also khair. So anyway, Makapala Zikriya, Kullama dakhala alayha Zakariya al-mihraba. Now what happened is that Sayyidina Zikriya al-Islam, Kafalaha means there's a whole story behind this. Sayyidina Zikriya al-Islam was one of the caretakers of Beit al-Muqaddas. So actually, Hanna, she gave baby Maryam for that actual same purpose. Even though she was a girl, she was given for that purpose. And she became an abida and khadama of Beit al-Muqaddas. And Sayyidina Zakariya was her caretaker, her ward. And he was also what you would call her khalu. He was her maternal uncle. In other words, Sayyidina Zakariya wife was the sister of Hanna. You can say Sayyidina Zakariya and Sayyidina Imran were hamzulf. Now you got it? Many, many relationships going on. Okay? Alright. Now, so mihrab, now you have, we have mihrab in our masjid as well, right? So mihrab refers to a particular special room or some sanctuary, you may call it a hujra, something like that. So that is something, special area that Sayyidina Zakariya Islam had given to her. Okay, so he translated as sanctuary, alright? So, and Sayyidina Zakariya Islam was her kafil. Kafila means he was her kafil, he is her custodian, guardian, caretaker, he is responsible for providing for her, apparently. Okay. Now whenever Sayyidina Zakaria Islam used to come upon her and she was in her mihrab, which he had appointed for her, wajada indaha riska, that he would find that she already had risk. And what was that? This is going to come, that she even, she had fruits and provisions from all kinds. She even had off-season fruits. Off-season fruits. Now, now again, now say that in a Now here's where I wanted to make this point. She's not a nabi. She's a wali. So I'm going to make both points. The ilham point is coming again later. This point I will give to you. This is called karamat. Anbiya have miracles. They're called mu'jazat. Awliya have miracles. They're called karamat. What is a miracle? A miracle means that thing which is khilafi ada, which is baghayri sabab, which is not according to the norm, which defies rationality, right? So literally fruits were appearing out of nowhere in her mihrab. And she's not a nabi, so this isn't her mu'jaza. This is her karama. This is a miracle Allah bestowed upon her. So Sayyidina Zakariya alayhi salam, now this is fascinating, he says, Kala ya maryamu anna laki hada, that oh maryam, where did you get these things? He's a nabi, he knows that Allah can do this. But he's still amazed. Now where did you get this? So she says very innocently, sweetly, Kala huwa minin dullah. She's telling the Nabi. <laughs> this is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if there's any doubt that women had that they can be a waliya, women can be as big a waliya that they can even be telling the anbiya how Allah ta'ala operates in the time. <laughs> Allah Akbar. So the doors of wilayat are completely open to women. But there has to be a woman who wants to walk through them. And that's why Allah ta'ala made her as an example of wilayat for women. Why? Because of her haya. You're not going to get the wilayat of Maryam if you don't have her haya. Right? If you walk around in a sari and this and that and do crazy things. Right? Look at the model of that wilayat. Look, you have to meet that specification. Right? Okay? So, what did she say? Who am in India? These fruits are from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah gives whomsoever he wants. Exactly what is Quranic revelation. She already understands that. This is wilayat. This is also showing you what wilayat is. Wilayat means a person understands 
wahi completely. They don't receive it, but they become ain mutabik to the teachings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So she's saying it on her own. Hunalika da'a. Now what happened is she affected Zakaria Islam so much. He was so amazed that he turns to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hunalika da'a Zakaria Rabbahu. So Sayyidina Zakaria salam, after seeing the karamat of a wali, he, know, he now turns to Allah and asks him to bestow mu'jizah upon his Nabi. Itni paya ki waliyati, say that the marimilana. He turns to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and is going to ask for a mu'jizah for himself as a Nabi. What does he do? What does he make dua for? So now what he makes dua for is... So Hunalaka just means then Sayyidina Zakir made dua to Zabqala. Sayyidina Zakir said, Rabbi habli min ladunka zurriyatan tayyiba. O Allah, bestow upon me min ladunka from your own self, from you. Zurriyatan tayyiba, a noble child, noble offspring. This is also a dua men can make. This is dua that men and women who are not fertile can make. Or men who are having any difficulty through any way conceiving can make. Alright? Okay? Why? إِنَّكَ سَمِيءُ الدُّعَى Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you are the being who is all listening to all prayers. فَنَادَتْهُ الْمَلَائِكَةُ وَهُوَ قَائِمٌ يُسَلِّ فِي الْمَحْرَابِ So what happened now in response to the angels called to Sayyidina Zakaria alayhi salam, in what situation that Sayyidina Zakaria was standing and praying salah in the mihrab? So the mihrab again was this place of worship. أَنَّ اللَّهَ يُبَشِّرُكَ بِيَحْيَا Allah Spalta gives you glad tidings of what? That you're going to have a son and his name is Yahya and he's going to also be a Nabi. And what type of Nabi? Musaddikan bikalimatin min Allah. That he is going to support a kalima that is coming from Allah Spalta. Kalima literally means a word. Okay, that word, word of God, is going to be Sayyidina Isa a.s. So Yahya is going to assist Sayyidina Isa a.s. very much like Sayyidina Harun assisted Sayyidina Musa So now you have yet another relationship. So nephews, they will be cousins to each other. Right? Or Not cousins, maybe uncle and nephew. With Sayyidan, and he will be a leader. Yahya will be a leader. Yahya will be a leader. This is why also we many times use the word Sayyid for Anbiya. Sayyidina wa Nabiyyina sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Right? وَحُسُورًا وَحُسُورًا Hasuran means he will be chaste despite having desire. وَنَبِيًّا مِنَ الصَّالِحِينَ And he will be a prophet from amongst the righteous people. So this is a huge glad tiding. Right? That Sayyidina Zakaria just wanted a son. He's going to get a son who's going to be salih, be a nabi, be chaste. Right? Be sayyid and be a leader. قَالَ رَبِّي أَنَّا يَكُونُ لِي غُلَامٌ وَكَدْ بَلَغَنِي الْكِبَرُ so now, that, oh Allah, how is it that I'm going to get a son? Ghulam means son. Then I've reached old age. And my wife is infertile. Double, double whammy. I've reached old age. Maybe in a shower towards something. Right? And my wife is infertile. Now, question that people raise here is that, look, Sayyidina Zakaria just saw that Allah Ta'ala can give fruit to Sayyidina Maryam. And by learning that lesson, he asked Allah sponsor for this dua. Now why all of a sudden is he asking Allah Ta'ala, how is it possible? What happened here is that actually, and this is wrong, and you know it's, it's unfortunate here, and uh, Ghamdi, Mr. Ghamdi in his tafsir writes here, and I'm going to highlight for you mostly in this course what he talks about anbiya and what he says about things that are haram. 
So he says that Sayyidina Zakaria Islam fell into shuck and doubted Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allahu Akbar, Al-Aman Al-Lafiz. How much he writes, then how much did he doubt? He doubted Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so much that he thought that maybe this is, he's a Nabi, right? He receives wahi that Allah ta'ala has granted you your crest. That he doubts so much and he thinks that maybe this isn't wahi, maybe it's shaitan whispering to me. Now if you come up with a theory, which Ghamdi has done, openly written in his tafsir, that the anbiya can also doubt whether what comes to them is wahi or not, then the atheist will have a field day with you. They say, look, according to you, the prophets don't even know what they're getting. Is it revelation from God or is it whispering from shaitan? He didn't doubt. He was asking Allah subhanahu wa okay, I'm going to get Yahina, what do I got to do? Okay, because okay, what I got to do is, but I can't do that because I'm too old. Nice <laughs> someday. So he's asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, 100% yakin that the wahi is from Allah, 100% yakin that he's going to get Yahya, but now he's thinking, okay, but now how am I going to do that, right? Like if one of you hadn't studied at all for the year, and I say, I'll pass for doing it. And I got yakin out that they say, I'll pass for doing it. Right? So that's the same way of saying, how am I going to do it? How am I going to get the kid? That's all it is, simple sibat. And all the mafassirun write that. But again, some people, they want to come up with something new. If you want to come up with something new, don't do it at the expense of anbiya. That's all I'm saying to you. Don't do it, don't come up with just something new by making Sayyidina Zakaria have shak on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allahu Akbar. He's Nabi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Thora salihaz karo. Thora salihaz karo. Right? Al-Aman al-Fiz. So he's asking, and then second thing is that, okay, even maybe if I'm my wife, how am I going to do it? Right? Okay. You can say that here it can mean wife is infertile, but it can also mean my wife is post-menopausal. Right? That my wife is post-menopausal, I'm also extremely old. Alright. Because he hasn't, you see, he hasn't seen what's going to happen yet. So up till now, just shortly, Allah Ta'ala is going to show that you can have, say the Maryam Allah is going to have Yisra without a process. But up till now, there's a process to have a child. And he's not able to start that process. Okay? Don't worry, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will do it for you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will enable it and make it happen. So now he's fine. Then he says, Okay, so here also some people say that he says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make a sign for me. Make a sign for me. Again, this is not his shak. He's asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and I have to explain this to you bluntly and I'm only explaining to you so openly. I normally don't like to say these things so openly but I'm saying to you openly so you understand that it's not shak. He's asking us, okay, now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I accept you're going to take care of it. It doesn't mean that he's going to have an immaculate conception, right? He's still going to have to do the act. So he's asking us, okay, you're going to take care of it, so when do I know you're going to take care of it so I can do the act? You understand? He was saying he was impotent because he is so old. So he's asking Allah ta'ala, okay, you're going to take care of it, so how, how do I know when is the moment? So Allah ta'ala says, so he says, give me a signal cue as to when I should Try. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells him, Qala, Allah subhanahu wa tells him, Ayatuka, your sign is that Allah tukalamanasa salatata ayamin illa Ramzan so that you should not speak for three days let three days pass. When three days pass and you should spend those three days passing that you won't speak to people. Allahu alam, maybe Allah Ta'ala chose to make that a means taking away his energy to speak, maybe restoring some other energy and ability in him. That's Allah Ta'ala can operate however he wants. Right? 
But this is what he told him, that that's going to be your sign. That when you spend three days not talking to someone, right, so maybe you want to wait a little bit, maybe you have a couple of things to take care of, talk to people for the next few days, and then start your three days. It doesn't say you have to start initially. But gave him that this is what you get, nuskhadiyah. Nuskhadiyah. This is what you do, when that's done, then you can do it. Got it? So there's no shock at all. This is a Nabi getting further information as how to carry out that revelation. That's all it is. Right? Now, one could even excuse someone that, okay, maybe you didn't understand. Right? You, you, it's okay. Like if you read the translation, you wouldn't have understood this. No problem. But you wouldn't have dared to write the seer about it either. Right? Okay, how can I excuse a person from not understanding when these things are written in the books of the seer? I'm not coming up with this. Right? Like if a person is an economist and writes a textbook on economics and never consults previous works of economists, you would say this guy is either ignorant or he's a fraud. You can't excuse him now. You can't excuse him. Alright? Okay. So, وَذْكُرْ رَبَّكَ كَثِيرًا And what you should do in those three days, do lots of zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَسَبِّحْ بِالْعَشِيِّ وَالْإِبْكَارِ And then you should glorify. Subhan means you should declare Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Glorify Him or declare Him to be even beyond any fault and any flaws. You should do that. بِالْعَشِيِّ You know, Isha, night. In Ibkar, in the day. Alright. Now what happens? وَإِذْ قَالَتَ الْمَلَائِكَةُ يَا مَرْيَمُ إِنَّ اللَّهَ اسْتَفَاكِ وَتَحَّرَكِ وَاسْتَفَاكِ عَلَى النِّسَاءِ الْعَالَمِينَ Okay, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Wa idh kalat al-malaikatu ya Maryamu inna Allah astafaki wa tahharaki wa astafaki ala nisa'il alameen. Ya Maryamu knuti li rabbiki wa sjudi warka'i ma'arraki'in. So, Allah, the angels... They tell Sayyidatana Maryam Radiatana Anna. So this is what I wanted to tell you. That angels bring wahi to Anbiya, but they can also bring ilham or communication to Oliya. Because every, it's ijma of the entire Ummah to say that Maryam Radiatana is not a Nabi. But she's being spoken to by the angels. Right? And what do they tell her? Inna Allah Stafaki that Allah Spanta has chosen you. وَتَحَّرَكِ And has purified you. This is why in English they do say the immaculate conception. That's where that's the same concept. Has made you incredibly pure and chaste. وَاسْتَفَاكِ And in fact says it again, has chosen you عَلَى نِسَاءِ الْعَالَمِينَ Has chosen you over all of the women of the world. Now there are four women, in addition, uh, there are four women whose greatness is, is mentioned in the deen of Islam. One is Sayyidatana Maryam radiallahu ta'ala anha. Five, this, her, this is this ayah, that she's been chosen over the women of the whole world. Second hadith about Sayyidatana Fatima, that the Prophet said that she is. Sayyidatana Sa'i Ahlul Jannah, she will be the leader of women in Jannah. Third is Sayyidana, Sayyidatana Khadija, Ummu Mu'mineen Khadija, fourth is Ummu Mu'mineen Aisha, where the Prophet said about her that her superiority over all women is like the superiority of Thareed, a particular type of dish, over all food. And fifth was Sayyidatana Asiya, who was the wife of Fir'aun, 
but a pious woman who was tortured by him to death. And it comes in a date that Allah Ta'ala will make her one of the wives of the Prophet in Jannah. So these are five women. Now again, they're all greatest. All five can be greatest. And they may have different ways in which that greatness is manifested. All right. Then Allah Subhanahu says, O Maryam, that you should again, uknuti, that's from kanitin, right? You should be devout and devoted and obedient to your Rabb, and you should make sajda to me, Allah Ta'ala says, make sajda to me, and make ruku to me, ma rakin, along with the people who make ruku. All right. Here then Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala is going to say, right, this is the next thing I was going to tell you. So we are on verse number 44 now. Now Allah Ta'ala is addressing the Prophet Sallallahu These are from the Anba'il Ghayb From unseen matters and news and informations That we are sending in form of wahi Onto you and your kalb So this is also establishing the truth of the Prophet of the Prophet To the Christians Because they should have been thinking that How does the Prophet know all these things? Because he hasn't read these, the scripture. He is unlettered and illiterate. So the fact that the Prophet is explaining these details, and there's some details coming right now, that you're going to see, uh, Allah Ta'ala is going to add some details. So this is exactly what Allah says, وَمَا كُنْتَ لَدَيْهِمْ And you are not present with them. إِذْ يَخْتَسِمُونَ When they vied with one another. And this is another example that you won't be able to understand Quran without Hadith. And again, what is the hadith? The hadith says that who were they vying? What happened was is that when Hanna, she presented Maryam to the, pe- the caretakers and the worshippers at Beit al-Muqaddas because she was such a beautiful, pious baby, they all wanted to be her kafil. Right? Because when this was a system that whenever a baby was given to that house of worship, one of the elders of the house of worship would become their kafil, caretaker and guardian. So they couldn't decide. So this is the yakhta simun that they had. So then they decided that what they would do, they would draw lots and they would play a game of chance in the following way, which is permissible in our Sharia as well. That they placed all the pens with which they used to write the Torah. They were actually scribes who used to write the scripture. And Sayyidina Zakariya was one of those writers. And they would place their pens in the river and they made this decision that whichever pen goes upstream against the current, we will view that as a sign from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that that is the person who should take care of Sayyidina Maryam. Gives the impression then that this community, and you saw in the time of Sayyidina Musa as well, they got lots of signs from Allah. Man and Salwa and all of that. So it seems that this community is quite frequently having mu'jizat, so much so that when they decide something, they set up a device which requires a mu'jizah for the pen to go upstream, requires Allah Ta'ala to create a miracle, means khilafi adat, right? To do something contrary to the norm. So certainly then they did that, they placed their pens in the river, and it was the ped, reed, reed pen of Sayyidina Zakariya that went upstream, so he was the one that was then selected, or selected by Allah Ta'ala in this way, to be her kafil. Now this is such a detail, how would the Prophet have known this, that this is what happened? And Allah saying that, were you present with them? To know this, Now the angels are going to say, to say that, Maryam radiallahu anha, Ya Maryam, O Maryam, Inna Allaha yubashiruki, that Allah Ta'ala gives you the glad tidings, bi kalimatim minhu. So again, Sayyidina Isa is being referred to as a kalima. 
Now here, kalima is being, why is Sayyidina Isa Islam referred to as this word? So you may have remembered that Sayyidina Musa Islam was called Kalimullah, right? That Sayyidina Musa Islam was called that per- person who Allah Ta'ala conversed with. Kalimatillah can be understood in a number of ways. Number one, it means that Sayyidina Isa salam is because of his birth rather, the way in which he will be born is a type of kalima or a sign from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. doesn't mean he's a son, right? But this miraculous nature of his birth is like a sign or a statement. Maybe that's very pretty. A statement or a kalima from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then ismuhu, so the angels are telling, say that the Maryam of the this what the name will be, Al-Masihu Isa ibn Maryam. Al-Masih, right? Isa ibn Maryam. Wajihan. Wajihan. So Wajih sometimes means high rank and it can mean illustrious. Okay, that's a good transition. Illustrious for dunya will be illustrious in this world and in the next life. Waminal Muqarrabeen. And he will be from amongst those who are extremely close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَيُكَلِّمُنْ nas, And he will speak to humanity with that kalimatillah. So this is another notion that he will be given the kitab, he will be given scripture, that's the Injil. But he will also speak on the basis of revelation. Fil mahdi وَكَهْلًا Okay, mahd means that he will speak in young age. Literally means that he will speak in the cradle. And kahl means in mature age, which is understood to be past 40. Mufti Muhammad Shafi has written his tafsir that this is the first proof in Quran now that Sayyidina Isa will come back because he was lifted up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his 30s. So there's this, well, I'm going to explain that to you in a little bit, the second coming of Sayyidina Isa and he is from amongst the righteous. So she said, Oh my Rabb, now just like Zakaria was also wondering, right? This is not her shak. But she's asking again, how is it going to happen? Because a sabab isn't there, because I'm pure and chaste and I'm unmarried and no man has even laid finger on me. This is what it takes for a woman to be a waliya. You understand? How many women today could say this? Kirabbi? Not the first part, the second part. Walam yam sasni basharam. No man has ever so much as touched me. Not hugged me in a mixed gathering not lightly patted my back, not touched my finger when returning the change at the store, nothing. وَلَمْ يَسَّسْنِي بَشَرٌ That no man has even laid hand on me at all, ever. That's what she's saying. Allah Akbar. That's what we need the university girls to be like. Mazag. Then you'll have an ummah of awliya. Women awliya. Hmm? So she's saying that, how is it possible? How can I have a child when this has not happened? All Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala replies to her, كَذَلِكِ اللَّهُ يَخْلُكُ مَا يَشَاءُ And such Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates however He wants. He is not bound by these asbab, these means in His creation. إِذَا كَذَا أَمْرًا When He decides on a matter, فَإِنَّمَا يَكُولُ لَهُ كُنْ فَيَكُونَ Indeed He simply says to it, be and it comes into existence. وَيُعَلِّمُهُمُ الْكِتَابَ وَالْحِكْمَةَ وَالتَّورَاتَ وَالْإِنْجِيَةَ Now this is shifting back. Shifting back. Who is the who here? Sayyidina Isa a.s. That Allah subhanahu is going to teach Sayyidina Isa a.s. the kitab. I'll come back to the moment. Hikmah, wisdom, Torah, and Injil. What is kitab? Some say this is the second proof that Sayyidina Isa a.s. is going to come back. Because kitab means Quran. 
And this is referring to the second coming of Isa salam, where he will come back as a Muslim, follower of deen of Islam. And in that Allah Ta'ala will teach him the Qur'an. And he will live and lead the Muslims according to teachings of Qur'an. Alright. And he will be sent, he, 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 the, your, this son that we are going to cause to be born to you, Maryam, without any asbab, will be a prophet to the Bani Israel. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that he is going to... Oh sorry, now here we're switching and this is actually now the statement of Sayyidina Isa salam. There's a lot of shifting in person and tense here. This is the statement of Sayyidina Isa salam. Now what is he going to say? What's his kalima? What's he going to say to them as the messenger? He's going to say, Indeed, I have come to you bi'ayatin with signs min rabbikum from your rabb. What are those signs? So he's going to take mud and he's going to fashion that mud into a bird, like make a clay pottery of mud uh, of a bird. And then what will he do? Fun fihi. And he's going to blow into it. For and it will become a real bird with the Idan of Allah. In other words, this is how he was created. He was created. Allah Ta'ala infused the spirit and the life of Sayyidina Isa Islam into Sayyidatana Maryam Badatana's womb. And he's going to do something similar with the Idhan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Okay, with the permission and according to the command of Allah subhanahu wa Next thing he's going to do, he's going to cure. He's going to cure that person who was blind. He's going to cure the leper. He will raise the dead. Uhyal mawta bi'idhnillahi with the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَأُنَبِّئُكُمْ بِمَا تَأْكُلُونَ And then I will tell you what you eat. I'll tell you things that I don't know, things of unseen. I will tell you what are the things that you eat. وَمَا تَذَكِّرُونَ فِي بُيُوتِكُمْ And the things that you keep stored in your homes. Surely this is a sign in this for you if you are believers. Alright. وَمَسَدِّكَ لِمَا بَيْنَ يَدَيَّ مِنَ التَّوْرَاتِ وَلِأُحِلَّ لَكُمْ بَعْضَ الَّذِي حُرِّمَ عَلَيْكُمْ and I'm also going to come to confirm of those things that came before me with the Torah. But I'm also going to make halal things for you. He's addressing the Bani Israel. He's addressing the Jews in a sense. I'm going to make halal for you those things, some of those things that were previously haram upon you. Now what does this mean? He's doing this as a Nabi. Allah doesn't have his own authority, but Allah is going to reveal to him. So this suggested that there's some relaxation. You see that. Even in the present Christian religion, there's relaxation compared to strict Jews, strictly practicing Jews and strictly practicing Christians. The rules of strictly practicing Christians are much more relaxed than strictly practicing Jews. And I've come to you again with a sign from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from your Rabb. So you should fear Allah and you should obey me. So why did and in Allah Rabbi wa Rabbukum? Now this is a very important verse. Allah Taala uh, is saying that indeed Allah Subhanahu is my Rabb and He's also your Rabb. Fa'buduhu. So therefore worship only Allah. And the reason why Sayyidina Islam is saying this because when He comes with all these miracles, bringing the dead back to life, curing the bl- blind, curing the leper, it would be natural people might start thinking that He's kind of a God, right? These are God-like attributes. So he says that in Allah Rabbi, I'm not a God, Allah is my Rabb. Wa Rabbukum and Allah is your Rabb. Fa'buduhu, and you should do ibadah only of Allah. 
So this is the Quranic proof that Sayyidina Isa did not call people to view him as a god or a deity, did not tell people to worship him. In fact, the quite opposite, he was calling purely to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the call to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala purely, hadha siratul mustaqim, that is the right path. فَلَمَّا أَحَسَ إِسَى مِنْهُمْ مِنْهُمْ الْكُفْرَ قَالَ مَنْ أَنْسَارِي إِلَى اللَّهِ Okay, here comes the discussion of Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam sahaba. Alright? So when Isa alayhi salam, ahasa comes from his. When he sensed and he felt that there was some disbelief coming from them, that they didn't believe, they were disbelieving. So then he made out a call, مَنْ أَنْسَارِي إِلَى اللَّهِ Who is there who is going to be my helper in this cause of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Hawariyun. So Hawariyun is the name of his Mukhlis Sahaba. So his Mukhlis Sahaba responded, Nahnu Ansarullah. So we will be the helpers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if the Sahaba of Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam are called Ansarullah in Quran, so the Sahaba of our Sayyidina Rasulullah are all the more worthy of being viewed each and every one of them as Ansarullah. Amanna billahi. And they said, We believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَشْهَدْ بِأَنَّا مُسْلِمُونَ And we want that you, Sayyidina Isa should be witness that we are Muslimun. We submit completely to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. رَبَّنَا آمَنَّا بِمَا أَنزَلْتَ وَاتَّبَعْنَا الرَّسُولَ That's what they made a dua that, O oh Allah, we believe in that which we've revealed and we are following. The Rasul means, Sayyidina Isa shahideen. So write our names amongst the people who testify to the truth. This is a dua that we can make also. We are people, Ya Allah, and you can make this dua when you begin a dua, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I have nothing but I am presenting my kalimat shahada to you. That oh Allah, I believe in you, and I believe in the Prophet write my name amongst the people of shahada, and then accept of my duas. Wa makaru wa makarullah. Now here comes the major, now we're fast forwarding. We don't get much information about Isa alayhi life now. Fast forwarding to the end. Wa makaru. The Jews plotted. They were upset. They didn't accept other than those few who became his Hawariyun. And what did they do? They plotted to kill Sayyidina Isa alayhi Alright. Allah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In Urdu, the word makar means something bad. In Arabic, makar is neutral. It doesn't mean good or bad. Obviously, the kuffar did evil plotting and planning, conspiring, and makar Allah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did proper planning and deciding. So what does it mean here? It means... Now I want to bring this issue up with you. It's another issue. Sayyidina Isa salam did not die, was not crucified. He was raised up alive by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Again, Mr. Ghamdi denies this, Akida. I'm going to show it to you clearly from Quran. And the second group that denies this, Akida, are the Qadianis. Now Sir Sayyid Ahmed Khan also denied this. And in fact, Mirza Ghulam Qadiani he didn't make this claim that he was Masih initially. And initially he also felt that Isa, he also used to, in his initial works, he wrote that Isa is alive and been risen up. Then Sir Sayyid Ahmed Khan came up with this doctrine. That this, how could it be? Because again, he was purely rationalist. Sir Sayyid Ahmed Khan took an exclusively rationalist approach to Quran. And it's non-rational for a human being not to die and be raised up alive to Allah. But if you think about it, being raised up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what does that have to do with rationality? What about the merit? I mean, what does it, how does rationality even enter that? Rationality can only judge on things that lie within the realm of rational. Right? The matter of being raised, a prophet being raised by Allah Ta'ala to him, that's an amal of Allah. And Allah Ta'ala's actions are not confined to human concepts of what is rational. So it's a big mistake that he made. 
Now he wants to show you when a person makes a mistake due to maybe their own arrogance or thinking that they are more intelligent than the other mufassirun, sometimes Allah Ta'ala makes it a sabab for an even bigger mistake. So he opened the door for Mirza Ghulam Qadiani. So you saw Sir Sayyidina Aman Khan is denying this. So he denied it. So guess who became Masih? He said, I'm Masih. <laughs> I'm the Masih. Sayyidina Isa is not the Masih. He is dead. He wasn't raised up to Allah. In other words, the Masih means the promised Messiah. So Mirza Ghulam Qadiani said that I'm the promised Messiah. Why? Because Isa was not raised up alive to Allah and coming back as promised Messiah. He's dead, like Sir Sayyidina Aman Khan said. And then he added one extra thing and he's buried in Kashmir. Uh, where India comes into all of this, yes, it's in written in his own books. Out of all the places where, I mean, that is nonsensical. Because Bani Israel, if this event took place and the Bani Israel actually killed Sayyidina Bani Israel were not in Kashmir according to any historian. Right? Ajeeb. When people you know, leave the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and try to usurp, right, right, and misuse and hijack Qur'an, they come up with crazy things. So first, first I want to show you, and here I want you to switch to that in in the, on your screen, those of you upstairs that you want to move to Surah Nisa, Surah number 4, verse 157. Let me also find it in my book. Surah Nisa, this is verse number four. Make it find it easier. This way. Surah Nisa, verse number four. Sorry, Surah Nisa is Surah number. Surah number four, right? And what verse number did I tell you? One fifty-seven. You got it? No. Okay, وَقَوْلِهِمْ This is Surah Nisa, you can write down the reference, Surah An-Nisa, which is the fourth Surah of Qur'an, verse number 157. وَقَوْلِهِمْ So their statement of the Jews was that we killed, indeed we killed Al-Masih, Isa ibn Maryam, Rasulullah. What does Allah Ta'ala say? وَمَا كَتَلُوهُ Clear Qur'an. وَمَا كَتَلُوهُ And they did not kill him. وَمَا سَلَبُوهُ And they did not crucify him. وَلَكِنْ شُبِّهَ لَهُمْ However, they were put, Allah Ta'ala put them into a doubt and Allah Ta'ala made them mistakenly think that they killed and crucified Sayyidina Sallam. وَإِنَّ الَّذِينَ اخْتَلَفُوا فِيهِ And those who differ and disagree concerning this issue of whether Sayyidina Isa Sallam was actually killed and crucified or not, Lafi shakim minhu are in a shak. Maluhu bihi min ilmin illa tiba azan, and they have no real knowledge concerning this whatsoever. They're only and only following their own whimsical ideas. And then look what Allah Ta'ala says. Look at Quran. Wama kataluhu yakina. Allah saying, Yakin kukatunakya. And they did not kill Sayyidina Isa Islam Yakina. Next ayah. So now we're over to 158. But Allah Ta'ala raised him up to him. This word for word is literal. But Allah Ta'ala raised Sayyidina Isa up to him. 
And Allah Ta'ala is almighty. His might transcends what you call rational. Hakiman, and He is all wise. His wisdom transcends what your mind may think is wise. That's it, word for word, Quran. So maybe we will do this a bit more in detail there as well, when we do it in Surah An-Nisa, but I wanted to show you that. Alright? Okay. Here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so you have to understand all the ayat in light of one another. Yes? So now this ayah in Surah Ali Imran, which is verse number 52. Oh, sorry, verse number 55. This must be understood in light of Surah An-Nisa, the verses that I recited to you. So here what does Allah say? إِذْ قَالَ اللَّهُ يَا Isa. Now there Allah Ta'ala is saying what He did. Definitively, clearly, certainly, explicitly explaining what He did and what happened. Here Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala is explaining the way He shared that plan with Isa Islam. Why am I saying plan? Because it said what makar Allah. If the Jews did kill Isa Islam, so where's Allah Ta'ala's makar? Where's the plan? What, what plan was there then? That's another denial. I mean, Ghamdi's position denies the planning of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because where's the plan then? <laughs> right? This was the plan that Allah ta'ala mentions in Surah An-Nisa. The words he uses to share that plan with Isa aren't so explicit. And that's Allah ta'ala's way. Before he does something, he doesn't maybe explicitly share it with Sayyidina Isa Islam. After the fact, Allah ta'ala made it clear in Surah An-Nisa what he did. So what does he say? إِذْ قَالَ اللَّهُ يَا إِسَى When Allah subhanahu said, O Isa, إِنِّي مُتَوَفِّيكَ Okay, now what does this mean? Now this word, this one word, is where both the Qadianis and Gham, they have the exact same argument by the way. There's no difference in either of their arguments on this. They take this one word against the whole ayat that I told you. The مُتَوَفِّيكَ in Urdu, what does it mean? Wafat, right? So they go into Urdu, Wafat. And because they write in Urdu, so they say, Me aapko wafat Alright. Does this word only mean death in that sense in the Arabic language? No. It can mean, in Arabic language, it means to take up completely or to recompense completely. In fact, I should have highlighted, we had it many times, or yuwafika. Allah Ta'ala says that you will be faced, you will be given your full due, your full recompense. We had the exact same word form coming. The same root coming when we talked about spending in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and good deeds. So you'll be recompensed in full in the court of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it can just mean that. That you'll be taken up completely. It can completely mean that in Arabic. <coughs> Second, even if it means that we'll bring you to that, Allah is saying is, inni. Inni means, may I'm the one who can bring you to death. They can't touch you. And how are they not going to touch you? I'm going to bring you up. Now look, وَرَافِئُكَ إِلَيَّ Same thing. I'm going to raise you up to me. I am the one who calls you to death. Not them. I'm going to raise you up to me. So even here, even there it works. And especially when you read the other ayat. So just even the Qur'an leaves no room whatsoever this, why, this is why that believing that Sayyidina Isa salam has been raised up alive by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and was not killed. This is a part of Qur'an. This is a necessary belief of Islam. Alright. وَمُتَّحِّرُكَ 
and I'm going to sanctify you or preserve you or keep you pure from those people who disbelieve. Alright. Now the fact that Sayyidina Islam is coming back to earth, that is mentioned in so many hadith that this is what we call mutawatir hadith. Alama Anwar Shah another one of my dadostas, par dadostas, has written a whole book, At-Tasrihu Bima Tawatir Fi Nazul Al-Masih has written a whole book gathering the so many numerous hadith that talk about the return of Sayyidina Isa Islam. And those hadith are as authentic as all the hadith that we've been using so far to explain Qur'an al-Karim. Right? And you need an explanation because Allah Ta'ala did say, eventually I will be the one to bring you to death. But right now I'm raising you up to me. So what's going to happen in between? He's going to come back. And he's going to then reach that age of 40, adulthood, maturity, and still speak to people. And he's going to be taught that Qur'an, I also did that part of the verse for you. And what is he going to do is eventually going to lead the true believers on earth in that final battle and he's going to be the leader of that final group of believers that will defeat Dajjal. Okay, now that's another topic for another time. But that is what we know about Sayyidina Isa salam, and that is our Iman. And that is absolute required part of Iman. Alright? And it doesn't befit anyone. To try to change... Well, for what reason would you want to come up with a no... I mean, there's no reason to try to come up with a new and novel tafsir in order to... For whatever reason or misconception that a person has or maybe they want to spread. Allahu Akbar. Right? We pray for the hidayah for everyone. Right? And ulama have tried to reach out to him and he doesn't take back this position. Right? And it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Right? I think all of us would be scared to come up with a new tafsir that goes against 1400 years and especially concerning anbiya. I mean, we're talking about worldly rules here. We're not talking about laws. We're talking about beliefs concerning prophets. That's a very, very delicate area to go into. Alright? Okay. So, where were we? So now we're back on... Let me go back. Okay, so Allah says that I, I, I'm going to be the one who causes you to pass away. Now I raise you unto me and I purify you from those who disbelieve and I make those who follow you. I make those who follow you. وَجَاءَ And I'm the maker of those who follow you. So again, his true sahaba. I will make them triumphant over the disbelievers. Until the end of time. So it means that whenever they were go- whenever they were true Christians, Allah Ta'ala gave them triumph. And you see that if you look at this through Christianity, even though Sinis, according to them, they think they killed and crucified, according to us, Isa was uplifted to Allah. But either way, when Isa was removed from the scene, they were un- that didn't work. Christianity became the dominant religion in, the- in world civilization. Right? So this is what Allah is saying. That you're, they're, they're thinking that they slayed you and their attempt to slay you isn't going to achieve their maqsad in slaying you, which was to eliminate Christianity and keep Judaic civilization. After that, Christian civilization became dominant on earth. Right? If you look at the history from the time of Sayyidina Islam onward for the next five, six hundred years. Alright. ثُمَّ إِلَيَّ مَرْجِئُكُمْ And know that to me, to me, all of you will return 
فَأَحْكُمُ بَيْنَكُمْ And Allah is saying, I will decide between you فِيمَا كُنْتُمْ فِيهِ تَخْتَلَفُونَ Concerning that which you disagreed about. So here Allah is addressing the Christians and Jews, Ahli Kitab of that time, with Shukin in Makkah and Mu'mineen, that everyone is going to return to Allah Subhanahu Indeed for those people who disbelieve, فَوَذِّبَهُمْ أَذَابٌ شَدِيدًا That Allah Subhanahu will inflict an incredibly severe punishment on them. فِدْدُنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ And this is the first time Adab has been mentioned in dunya, that they will actually be punished in this world and in the Akhirah. Now Allah Alam, what exactly the form of that punishment may be in this world. One form of that punishment in this world of disbelief is being deprived of the itminan of iman, being deprived of the sukun of iman, being deprived of the purity of iman, being deprived of the spiritual joys that accompany iman. Alright? We did this before and they will have no one to help them. There will be no reprieve, no intercession for them. But as for those who believe, and do righteous acts, worship and otherwise. So you have it here? What does it mean? They will be given completely their reward with Allah. So could also meant that I'm going to give you completely your reward with me. And don't worry that your mission of Nabuat was suspended. Because the people tried to kill you and I pulled you up, you will be given the complete reward of being a complete Nabi. And the true followers of yours, they will be ghalib over the unbelievers. Christianity will prevail. Because there was original Christianity at the time of Sayyidina Sallallahu Alright? Wallahu la yuhibbul thalameen. Indeed, Allah Subhanahu does not love the unjust wrongdoers. Thalika natluhu alayka. Just like that, we recite to the Prophet min al-ayati wa dhikril hakim from our verses of revelation and from our wise admonishment and our wise advice. Alright. Inna mathala isa indallahi ka mathala adam. Now Allah Ta'ala is explaining to the Christians because what happened here is that the occasion of revelation some Christians from Najan came to the Prophet and asked him, well then who was his father then? Right? We say God was his father and we say he was the son of God and you also say he had no father. So who was his father then? So say to Allah Ta'ala is answering that look he's just like Sayyidina Adam alayhi salam. Just like you don't say Adam alayhi salam's mother was God or his father was God. You don't call him the son of God. The Christians don't call him son of God. Right? So Sayyidina Islam is just like that as well. Direct creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Most logical, sensible answer. Right? Khalakahu min turabin. Allah ta'ala made Adam alayhi made Isa alayhi from the elements of the earth. By the way, to some of you are new, earth doesn't mean earth. That Isa alayhi is a walking mud creature. It means that he's made from the periodic table of elements. You see when you have your multivitamin, there's zinc, magnesium, copper, boron, calcium. The human body is made of things that are found in the earth. That's why you are buried in the earth as well. Right? Okay. Thummaqalahu kun fayakun. And there simply was a command was addressed to Isa Islam, be Adam Islam, be and you become. So just like that, something similar to that is how Allah Subhanahu wa creates in Islam. Al hakumi rabbika and hak and absolute truth comes from your rab. Falatukun min al mumtarin. So don't be amongst the people who doubt. Don't be amongst the daughters. Faman hajaka fihi min ba'dima jaaka min al ilm. And so the Allah Taala's addressing Prophet and that person who disputes with you concerning this after knowledge has come to them. Fakul. So just tell them. Taalo. 
Now this is a particular sin. So you should come nadu abna'ana wa abna'akum wa nisa'ana wa nisa'akum that our children and descendants and your children and descendants and our women folk and your women folk wa unfasana and wa unfasana and ourselves wa unfasakum and yourselves will all gather together and engage in dua. This is called mubahala. This is like a contest if you a contestation through dua. That if you still dispute Allah Ta'ala told the Prophet you give this challenge if you will to the Christians that okay let's all get together and all the Prophet me and my Sahaba and my Sahabiyat and all of our children will come and you and all your people and all your women and all your children will come. And what we do thumma nabtahil right? So we will both make dua to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala that which one of us is right and whomsoever is wrong what should happen to that person that may Allah Ta'ala's curse, may Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala remove His mercy from those who are lying. From those who are lying. Alright. Okay. So this is called Mabahala. Now, Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu it's a Tafsir bin Kathir mentions this, that a delegation of 60 Christians came to Sayyidina Rasulullah amongst 14 of which were leaders, were main leaders of Christianity. And one leader, his name was Aqib. And they arrived in Medina Manawra after Asr Salam, the Prophet was still in the masjid. Then three of the leaders, they spoke to the Prophet about these false beliefs. And they said that Isa was the son of Allah SWT. And because they wouldn't Listen, so the Prophet then asked, made this, then challenged to them for Mubahala. So the method of Mubahala that's clearly mentioned. So the group of the Christians then they conferred with one another. They discussed, okay, how do we respond to this challenge? And then one of the persons, his name was Abdul Masih, the slave of Masih, because they believe in and that's why in our deen it's, it's unlawful. You can't keep a name Abdul Nabi or Abdul Rasul. Ghulam, if it means spiritual son of Rasul, Ghulam Nabi, Ghulam Rasul, then it's Jais. But if a person by ghulam meant abd, servant of the Nabi, then keeping the name ghulam rasul is also not chais. Alright? Okay. So here that person, Abdul Masih, you know, said, they were consulting one another, and Abdul Masih told the group that you know, told the group of Christians, that you know very well that the Prophet is the true messenger of Allah. Abdul Masih told them that. You know that. And that whatever he says about Isa is in fact true. And you were also aware, aware that none of us will survive if we do this mubahala. <laughs> he told them that. None of us will survive this. So after this conversation, then they went to the Balsam and they told them, the Rasulullah, we've decided to decline your challenge. We don't take it up. We decline your challenge to mubahala. We leave you to your deen and we remain upon our deen and we return to our place and we go back. So the Balsam let them go. That's it. Let them go. But that shows, right, that their own leaders and scholars weren't so convinced. Okay. All right. Now we are on verse number 64. Is that correct? Mm. And indeed in that these are true, real events and real stories. وَمَا مِنْ إِلَٰهٍ إِلَى اللَّهِ And there is no deity, no God except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَهُوَ الْعَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمِ And indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is almighty, all wise. فَإِن تَوَلَّوْا and if they turn if you turn if they turn back, Allah Ta'ala is all knowing, Bil Mufsideen with the people who are spreading fasad. It means if they don't truly believe what they're saying, they just came to cause a problem, that's fasad. 
Right? And this happens. Sometimes a person comes to you and they don't truly, they're just saying something to test you. Saying something to provoke you. Right? Saying something to antagonize you, but they don't even really believe it to be the truth themselves. The Quran calls that facade and calls such people mufsideen. Alright, now ayah 64. Here, again now Allah Ta'ala is once again inviting, the, after mentioning all this, again Allah Ta'ala extending His mercy, inviting Ahl Kitab to Iman. Kul ya Ahl Kitabi ila kalimatin sawa'im baynana wa baynakum. So say my beloved Messenger, Allah Ta'ala telling the Prophet to tell the Ahl Kitab, to, why don't you come and join us on a share, things that we agree on. Kalimatim sawa'im baynana wa baynakum. Let's at least first start with the things we agree upon. And here then Allah Ta'ala is teaching us right how to resolve disputes. That the first thing is to at least come to terms on things that we agree upon. I call this sometimes in English expanding the horizons of our agreement. Then because you won't agree on everything, when you expand the horizons of things you agree upon, then you can more successfully manage and negotiate the matters of disagreement. Expand the horizons of agreement then you will be better able to navigate and negotiate the matters of disagreement. So this is what Allah SWT is telling the Prophet to tell this to the... Tell them, uh, what are those things? Allah na'buda illallah That we don't worship anything except for Allah SWT. Wala nushrik bihi And we don't associate any partners with Him, shayan, anything. Wala yattakhida ba'duna ba'dun arbabam min dunillah And we don't set up. We don't set up others as gods besides Allah SWT. But if they turn away, if they turn away from this also, that you should tell them that, okay, look, you should bear witness that we submitted to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what happened here is actually then the Jews, they, uh, the Christians, sorry, they did not accept this. They did not accept this. Because in some sense also, they kind of do worship Allah. They worship Sayyidina They were doing a kind of shirk, Right? So they didn't accept this, so then they parted, and that was the end of that. Next comes this another thing that they said, that they took a dispute back to Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam. So they said, Ya Ibrahim, Ya Ahlul Kitab, O people of the book, Dema Tuhad Junafi Ibrahim. So Allah Ta'ala is addressing them directly now. That, O people of the book, what's the matter with you that you're disputing about Ibrahim alayhi salam? And the Injil, the Torah, and the Injil weren't even revealed until after him. Don't you have any sense? وَلَكِنْ كَانَ حَنِيفًا حَنِيفًا مُسْلِمًا وَمَا كَانَ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ Here what Azar al is saying that he can't have been a Jew and a Christian because Jewish and Christian scriptures were revealed after Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam. So for the Jews and Christians to say, no, he's a Jew, he's a Christian, that's nonsensical because Judaism and Christianity are post-Abrahamic developments. That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying. To all people's book, why do you argue concerning with regard to Sayyidina Ibrahim Islam and the Torah and the Jew will only revealed after him? Do you not understand? Indeed, you are the ones who argued concerning those things that you had no knowledge about. Those things that you argued concerning those things that you had knowledge about. So why do you now argue regarding that about which you have no knowledge? Allah knows and you know not. In other words, that first mistake you made, you just you argued about Isa alayhi salam. That knowledge is in your books. 
That knowledge is in the Torah and in Zeal. And you were mistaken in that. Now you're make, trying to make an even bigger blunder and argue about things that you don't even have knowledge about. That's Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam. And then Allah Ta'ala answered Sayyidina Ibrahim, so he was neither a Jew nor a Christian, no, but he was Hanif. I've already explained that to you before. And he was never from amongst the Mushrikeen. Now Allah Ta'ala is going to explain that who are the true heirs to the Abrahamic way? Inna awla nasib Ibrahima. Indeed, those who are most worthy of being called the followers of Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam, lalladheena taba'uhu, are those who follow Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam, wahadhan nabiyyi, and follow this Prophet sallallahu alayhi right? Who did they follow? They follow Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam, and they follow this Prophet sallallahu alayhi and wallatheena amanu, and they follow Sahaba. Mazagiyah. Sahaba ka zikr, bar barata. Who are those who are the true followers of Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam? Those who follow ha- those who follow the, his way, the Abrahamic way. Wahadun Nabiyu and this Prophet, Yani Sayyidina Amanu means those who believe in this Prophet means and also follow Sahaba Ikram. Means you want to be Ibrahimi, you have to follow Sahaba Ibrahim. Hmm. Alright? Wallahu waliyul mu'mineen. I told you it was coming. Right? When we said don't take the unbelievers as awliya. Why? Because wallahu waliyul mu'mineen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the wali of the mu'mineen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is protecting fair friend, caretaker, benefactor, lover of the mu'mineen. What the ta'ifatum min ahlul kitabi. Now there's a group from the ahlul kitab and they love to lead you astray. Lo yudhillunahum. They love to make you on the lala. وَمَا يُذِلُّونَ إِلَّا أَنفُسَهُمْ But they're not leading anybody astray except their own selves. وَمَا يَشْعُرُونَ But they're not aware of it. And Allah Ta'ala again addresses them, Ya Ahlul Kitab, that all people of the book, لِمَا تَكْفِرُونَ بِآيَاتِ اللَّهِ Why do you deny, continue to deny disbelief in the verses of Allah Ta'ala? وَأَنْتُمْ تَشْهُدُونَ And you're witnessing them and you were witness to them and your books bear witness to them. Then again, Ya Ahlul Kitabi, لِمَا تَلْبِسُونَ الْحَقَّ بِالْبَاطِلِ Why do you mix why do you enclose and adorn and conceal truth with falsehood? وَتَكْتُمُونَ الْحَقِّ And you hide haq. It's not a good thing. Distakia, not good. وَتَكْتُمُونَ الْحَقِّ وَأَنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ You hide the truth when you know it. وَقَالَ الطَّائِفَةٌ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ But they don't give up. Allah Ta'ala kept revealing verses on them, thinking, ek jirki de dun, do jirki de dun, baazan jai. I'll, tra- I'll, I'll scold them, reprimand them, invite them, show them mercy, tell them I'll forgive them. They keep arguing, keep disputing. وَقَالَ الطَّائِفَةٌ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ Now a group of the Ahl al-Kitab came up with this one. آمِنُوا بِالَّذِي أُنزِلَ عَلَى الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَجْهَ النَّهَارِ وَكْفُرُوا آخِرَهُ لَأَلَّهُمْ يَرْجِئُونَ Okay, now this is now another group. And what is the occasion of this one? Okay, this is something else. This is their nifaq. What they did is they said, okay, what we'll do is every morning when we wake up, we're going to disbelieve in what, the, we're going to pretend that we believe in what the mu'mineen say, and then at, by the end of the day, we'll start disbelieving in them. Right? This is what else Ponta is saying. So the translations are the groups of the people say they believe in that which has been revealed to the believers at the beginning of the day, and disbelieve in what has been given to the believers at the end of the day, in order that they may return. So what they were thinking was that they may be able to get some of them to make this return with them. That they would enter as believers, almost like spies if you will. And they would befriend them and they would get to know them. And then, just like sometimes it happens today, 
so two Muslim guys are friends at the university. Okay, the atheist guy can't put a doubt in the Muslim. But all of a sudden, if the Muslim gets a doubt, and the Muslim tells his friend, right? So when your friend tells you something, then it affects you more, right? When somebody who you allow to become close to you tells you something, that affects you more. That's what I told you. Remember, Uliya means that person has an athar on you. So they tried to befriend them to have this effect on them. Alright, so then Allah Sponsor continues this is verse number 73. Alright, this is clear proof. Clear proof. So the Prophet is saying is that there's, Allah SWT is saying there's no iman. There's no iman. Right? Except for except for that person who follows your deen. There's no iman except for that person who follows your deen. Alright? In other words, there is no iman except for that person who follows your deen, or maybe his translation is So don't uh, accept this from anyone except that person who follows your deen. There's still two ishadas here. Liman tabi'adinakum. So it means the only thing that's acceptable is following deen of Islam. And the, Allah Ta'ala didn't say deenaka, that would be deen of you, Ya Rasulullah. Allah Ta'ala used the plural deenakum, deen of all of you. So whose deen is that? If it's plural, deen of the Prophet and all Sahaba Ikram. Again, established in the Quran that all Sahaba are on Deen of Islam. Say the beloved Messiah to these people that indeed the guidance is that guidance which comes from Allah Taala. That if anyone had been given what you have been given, had anyone been given if you had been given. Or you had jukum in the rabbikum, if they were given what you were given, or if they dispute you concerning your rabb, kul inna al-fadla biyadillah. That tell them that the fuzzle, the karam, and the grace comes only due to the might and power decree of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. man yasha. He bestows his fuzzle on whomsoever he wills. Wallahu wasiyun alim. And Allah Subhanahu wa his knowledge is all awareing, and He Himself is all encompassing in His awareness, and He's all knowledgeable in His ilm. And he can select and specify his mercy for whomsoever he wants. But that's not because his mercy is limited. His fuzzle is azim, his fuzzle is immense in grace. But the people who are eligible for that mercy are limited. Now yet another group from the Ahlul Kitab. Another group from Ahlul Kitab. Now here Allah Ta'ala is going to mention something good about them. Something you can say maybe sort of uh, relatively good about them. Min ahli kitab man. There is that person. In ta'manhu. That if you give them an amana, bikintarin, with the heaps of treasures that we did, yu'addihi ilayk, they will return it to you. Wa minhum, and from amongst ahli kitab man in ta'manhu, that if you give them amana, bidinarin, even with just one dinar, la yu'addihi ilayk, he will not return it to you. So what does that mean? So there are some of them who may still be trustworthy in terms of worldly dealings, in business, you can say today, business dealings, transactions, and there are going to be others that are so untrustworthy. There are some that are so trustworthy, you can trust them with heaps of gold, and there are going to be some who are so untrustworthy, you can't even trust them with one gold piece, one dinar. One dinar. Okay. 
They say that the occasion of the occasion, the Mufassir scholars of Quran say the occasion of, occasion of this verse's revelation was that one Sahaba placed one dinar with a Jew as an amana, and then he wouldn't give it back to him. And when he wouldn't give it back to him, what did he say? He said, and that's coming. He said that these people are ummi, it's an illiterate person from Medina. So why should I give it back to him? Means I can violate this person's rights because they're not educated. Put it that way. They're uneducated. They have no haq. They mean nothing. They mean nothing in society. This is what is happening. This is that person who is saying this. So let's continue here. Unless, unless you, okay. Illa ma dumtu alihi ka'iman. This is a phrase you have it in English. Until you remain standing over him, going after him for that one dinar, he won't give it to you. That is because why? Because they call who they say, Laisa alayna fil sabil. That we have, there's no, these are ummin. They have nothing over us. They're uneducated, illiterate people. They have no way, no cause, no standing over us. And they bind a lie on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And they know it very well That this is not Allah ta'ala didn't say that this is your status In other words They claim that them being the favored nation Means that they don't have to give other people their rights And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying is, That's not at all what I had told meant when I had favored you then And you know it very well as well That that's not at all what I meant Allah Akbar Imagine something I mean Allah ta'ala is you know as we'd say, Allah is rocking them. Right? And they still don't come around. Allah doesn't, they don't come around. Bala man But indeed, that person who fulfills their covenant and their pledge, what taqa, and again as a person of taqwa, fears Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yuhibbul muttaqeen. Fourth word. Remember this? We had muhsineen, tawabeen, Muttahirin and Muttaqin, you have four out of seven now. Seven words in which Allah Subhanahu mentions His love. In the very first talks I gave in my life in 1992 or 1993 at the University of Chicago, I was asked by the Muslim Students Association to give a talk. I couldn't figure out for the life of me. Very first talk I gave in my life. And Allah Ta'ala put this in my heart that I should talk about these seven categories of people that Allah Ta'ala loves. So this is the fourth one that's mentioned so far. Muttaqeen. Indeed, Allah subhanahu loves the muttaqeen. Alright. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَشْتَرَوُونَ بِأَهْدِ اللَّهِ وَأَيْمَانِهِمْ ثَمَنًا كَلِيلًا Okay, these are the people who exchange their covenants and pledges with Allah subhanahu wa وَأَيْمَانِهِمْ and their oaths ثَمَنًا كَلِيلًا A paltry sum. Alright, a paltry sum. They will have no share in the Akhirah. And Allah subhanahu will not speak to them. And Allah subhanahu will not look at them on the day of judgment. And Allah subhanahu will not purify them. This is that portion of the ayah that Sayyidina used to sometimes recite and some Sahaba also used to recite and cry. That how could there be such a person? That on the day of judgment, لا يكلمهم الله That Allah Ta'ala won't even deign to speak to them. ولا ينظر إليهم Allah Ta'ala will not even deign to look at them. And in some ways this also means what we call a manadhar. In other words, the manadhar 
when Allah doesn't look at them, they won't be able to look at Him because Allah Ta'ala won't orient Himself towards them by sending His mercy on them. So because He is not oriented to them, they won't be able to orient to Him. They won't be able to hear Allah. They won't be able to see Allah. Now you understand the meaning of Summun Bukmun Umyun. They won't be able to hear Allah. They won't be able to see Allah. And third, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not purify them. What does this mean? Number one, He won't purify them by His mercy on the Day of Judgment and send them to Jannah. And number two, when they go into Jahannam, whereas Jahannam does purify the believers and make them eligible eventually for Jannah, for these people, even the fire of Jahannam won't be purified. There will be no purification for them at all. They will have an intensely painful punishment. وَإِنَّ مِنْهُمْ And from amongst them, لَفَرِيكَمْ There is a group. يَلْغُونَ أَلْسِنَتُهُمْ بِالْكِتَابِ What they do is they twist the words. They take their tongues, but they twist the words of the Qur'an. <laughs> they twist the words of the Kitab. Why? لِتَحْسَبُوهُ مِنَ الْكِتَابِ To make you feel, Right? What happened here, now, I, I don't know the exact thing, but what they did is they took some words from Revelation that they had, from the Ahlul Kitab, and they changed the letters or syllables or patterns of the words somewhat. But they made people think that it was still Kitab. But cha- they didn't just change, the change in the letters and the patterns of the words made the meaning change. It made the meaning of that change. Now when you change the meaning of Quran, that's a terrible thing. And if you change it knowingly, and this is why, but we say Allah Subhanahu wa Taala talks about changing the meaning of Scripture. That's why we beg to differ with those people who, in their tafsir, they change the meaning of Scripture. Right? This is not a good thing to do. This is something that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala severely dislikes those people who change the meaning of His Scripture. Well, kitab and this new meaning that they came up with, the new meaning they come up with is not actually from the kitab. It's not from the book. It's something else. Alright. وَيَكُولُونَ هُوَ مِنْ إِنْدِ And they're so bold to say that this is from Allah. وَمَا هُوَ مِنْ إِنْدِ It's not from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَيَكُولُونَ عَلَى اللَّهِ الْكَذِبَ And they bind a lie and they cast an aspersion on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَهُمْ يَعْلَمُونَ And they were well knowing of what they did. مَا كَانَ لِبَشْرٍ أَنْ يُؤْتِيهُ اللَّهُ الْكِتَابَ وَالْحُكْمَ وَالنُّبُوَّةَ ثُمَّ يَكُولُ لِلنَّاسِ كُونُوا إِبَادًا لِي So Allah is addressing the Rishanahs of some Christians came and tried to claim that Sayyidina Isa Islam told us to worship him. So Allah SWT is saying, no, there is no makana li bashrin, no human being has the might or ability to ever dream of such a thing. That Allah SWT would bestow upon them the book and the hukam, the command, and nubuwa, and prophecy, and thumma, and then after that, such a person will tell humanity, kunu ibadun li, that you should become my servants and slaves? No way. Mindunillah, instead of becoming the servants and slaves of Allah, walakin, kunu rabbaniyina bima kuntum tu'allimun al-kitabu wa bima kuntum tadrusun. But in fact, instead, what did Sayyidina Isa tell the people? He told them, kunu rabbaniyin. That you should become Rabwala Allah wala. Bima kuntum to allimun al-kitab by means of the instruction and learning you do of the book, wa bima kuntum tadrusun, and based on the instructions and lessons that you give and receive. So this verse also we use this, right? And actually this is the motto verse of our Zainab Academy, and this verse is used by Muslims as well. 
And I remember I told you the first day you were here that this is the niyat that you should make. That the reason why we are doing ta'lim of kitab is kunu rabbaniyin because we want to become a rabb of Allah. We want to become close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wala ya'murakum an tatakhadul malaikatu wa nabiyyina arbaban. You're not commanded. You were not commanded and enjoined that you should take angels. Remember, Holy Spirit. That was the second part of the Trinity. When the biyin, they took Saint Isa some arbaban as partners to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Ayat manukum bil kufri. That would you have been commanded with disbelief? Bada is antum muslimun after that you had been submitted to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. With id akhad Allahu mithaq and the biyina when Allah Subhanahu wa Taala took a pledge and covenant from the prophets. Lama ateetukum min kitabin wa hikmatin thumma jaakum rasulum musaddikun lima ma'akum. So this is the ayah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning that all of the anbiya took a pledge that if ever the Prophet came in their lifetime, that's the rasulum musaddikun, that you will believe in that nabi who is going to come and his, what he brings, the tasdik of what is with you. So it means that all of the anbiya believed in the Prophet that the very same Isa for Christians and Musa for Jews that you claim to follow, both of them were actually believers in Sayyidina Rasulullah So they, the people you claim to follow are believers in the Prophet and you're not believing in the Prophet. And this also shows the immense uh, central nature of the prophethood of Sayyidina Rasulullah So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took this covenant and pledge from all of the prophets, that whatever I give you from the kitab, from scriptures, and from hikmah, from non-scripture revelations and wisdoms, and then after that a prophet comes to you, who is bearing witness and testifying and verifying what you have with you, then you must, لَتُؤْمِنُنَّ bihi. You certainly, definitely must, لَامِتَاكِ نُنِتَاكِ دِسَكِيلَ bihi. You must certainly indeed have iman bihi in that Prophet. This was the command given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to all of the Prophets to have iman in Sayyidina Susam. Walatansurunnahu and you should help him in whatever way uh, you know, whatever way that would mean. Call Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala thalikum isri. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Do you agree? Allah ta'ala is shana kalam. Allah ta'ala is addressing the anbiya. Do you agree? Do you accept this? Do you agree to what? To this particular feature that you will accept the last and final messenger sallam. Do you accept this? And do you pledge yourself to this? Kalu, all of the anbiya and mursaleen said, akrarna, that we testify to it, we accept it. Kala Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, fashhadu. وَأَنَا مَعَكُمْ مِنَ الشَّاهِدِينَ Right? Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, bear witness, and I, وَأَنَا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and I, مَعَكُمْ مِنَ الشَّاهِدِينَ And I am also, Allah Akbar, I am also bearing witness, Allah ta'ala saying Quran, I am also bearing witness to the nabuat of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Look how important it is to believe in the Prophet sallallahu so it's not enough for a person, for a secular, liberal, progressive Muslim to suggest that as long as a person is a good person, even if they don't believe in the Prophet, it's okay. All of humanity falls under all the Prophets. All the Prophets fall under the Prophet ﷺ. This is deen, this is Qur'an, this is Kalamullah. فَمَنْ تَوَلَّى 
ba'da So any one of the human heirs and inheritors or claimants to following any of those prophets who turns their back on this pledge to accept and acknowledge Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu as the last and final prophet and messenger, they turn their back on this. They will be sinners and transgressors. Do they seek a deen besides the deen of Allah? So what is now the deen of the Prophet is being described as? Deen of Allah subhanahu ta'ala. And to Allah subhanahu ta'ala, everything's already submitted. They don't want to have Islam. And to who? To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, every single thing has already submitted. All that lies in the, the, the heavens and firmaments above and all that lies in the earth. Taw'an, either willingly or karhan, unwillingly. In other words, it's not for human being, but all non-human creation is already submitting to Allah, whether they want to or not. This is also a sign that human beings have that choice. And that Allah is going to say elsewhere in the Quran, Man al yu'min wa man al yukfir, whomsoever wants to adopt iman and whomsoever adopts iman, will lead your jawun. And every single thing is going to return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Amanna billahi, which you should say, is that we believe in Allah subhanahu wa ma unzila alayna, and that which has been revealed to us. Wa ma unzila ala Ibrahim, and that which has been revealed to us. Wa Ismail, wa Ishaq, wa Yaqub, wa Asbat, and the progeny of Yaqub. Wa ma utiya Musa, and that which was given to Sayyid Musa, wa Isa, and that which was given to Isa, and Nabiyuna min Rabbihim and all of the prophets that have come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we do not distinguish in terms of our iman in any of those prophets or any of those scriptures and we exclusively submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in obedience and worship now watch this that person and every single such person who follows anything other than Islam as a deen, and here again Islam is al on it, al-Islam, right? Any person, any human who chooses to follow something other than al-Islam as a deen, never ever will it be accepted from them. Never. And they will, such a person, trying to follow something other than Islam, after Qur'an has been revealed, will in the afterlife be from amongst the khasirin, amongst those who are losers, amongst those who have lost out. Amongst those who have lost out on the akhirah. كَيْفَ يَهْدِ اللَّهُ قَوْمًا كَفَرُوا بَعْدَ إِمَانِهِمْ How can Allah subhanahu wa guide a community that had iman and then disbelieves after it? And not only did they have Iman, but they also testified that the Prophet was true. And and clear proofs came to them. Allah Subhanahu does not guide an unjust community. So he's telling this community, look, you have the Prophet. If this is your last chance, if you Jews of Medina or Christians of this era, you don't accept the Prophet now and he's amongst you and you know it's true. Then it's over for you. You won't be guided as a community. Individuals will. This was the chance for all of Christianity and all of Judaism to join in the ultimate, penultimate Abrahamic tradition of Islam. And since they didn't, as a whole community, it's finished. Individuals will, but as an entire community, it's not going to happen. Ulaika jazauhum. 
this is the recompense or the retribution or retaliation that they will have. Anna alayhim la'natullahi. They will be removed. They will be. They will have the casting and removal from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wal malaikati. And all of the angels will also not ever pray for their mercy and think that mercy should be removed from them. Wanasi ajma'in. Indeed. Wanasi ajma'in. All of humanity. All of humanity. What does this mean? Obviously not all people are completely fine. This is what I was explaining to that humanity itself, humanity itself all falls under the Anbiya. They're just proxies of Anbiya. So humanity's human essence and self, whether individual humans may have suppressed that and lost that, but humanness itself also casts a curse on those people who don't accept the Prophet So divinity itself, angelic nature itself, and humanity itself, all three repudiate such a thing that you would leave the guidance once you were given it. This is what we're talking about. You leave the guidance once you were given. fiha. They will dwell in the Jannah. Never will the punishment be lightened on them. And they will be known to reprieve for them. Okay, what is the occasion of revelation? There was one Sahaba who was a believer. And then he actually, for some reason, not clearly mentioned, became an unbeliever. And when he became an unbeliever, he realized that he had made a mistake and he wanted to come back. He didn't know how to make Tawbah. So he asked, what is the purpose of Tawbah? So this is, إِلَّا لَذِينَ تَابُوا So if a community has been given Iman and given Kitab and given the Prophet Islam has been sent to them, but after that they adopt Kufr, there is no hope for them إِلَّا unless those people, الَّذِينَ تَابُوا They make Tawbah. مِنْ بَعْدِ ذَلِكَ After they reneged on Iman. وَأَصْلَهُ And they make amends by coming back to Iman. They recite their kalima again and they come back onto the deen again. فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ Allah tells all forgiving, all merciful. You can come back. <laughs> Allah tells door is always open. He never ever shuts it. Only death prevents you from going through that door again because you're no longer alive. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا بَعْدَ إِيمَانِهِمْ However, those who disbelieve after... Yeah, those who disbelieve after believing, then kufran, then they even further increase in their disbelief, Lan tuqbala to home, then their toba won't be accepted. They're not making toba, they're making even more kufr. and those are the people who indeed are completely astray. kafaru wa and those who disbelieve and pass away and die. Wuhum kufarun in such a state that they are still disbelievers. That from not a single one person who dies in disbelief, not a single one of them, never will Allah Ta'ala ever accept even from a single human being who lived a life of disbelief and died in disbelief, anything that they do, even if it be mil'ul ardi dhahaban, even if they have the whole earth full of gold, if they offer the whole earth full of gold and charity, it will never be accepted from them. And even if they try to offer it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a fidya or a compensation for what they did. That I didn't do ibadah, but look how much charity I give. And I already gave you this example of murder, right? One crime wipes out every good deed that you do. That's the rule of the courts on this earth, and that's the rule of the court of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Even earth full gold of charity, but they had kufr. The kufr is going to give them the punishment of what intensely 
painful punishment. And they will not have any helpers. Alhamdulillah, we made the goal we had set for today to finish the third juz. So if you've seen, we've been six days, three juz, that's half a juz a day. And we had 30 days, three juz, one juz a day. So from tomorrow, we're going to have to try somehow. I'm going to, after you guys are in the back seat, I'm going to have to try to increase the speed. These things that you read today and heard today, the Quran al-Karim is very heavy. And I want you to think about that. That yes, it's very heavy to hear things about hellfire and punishment and hellfire and Allah Ta'ala punishing unbelievers. Rather than focus on that first, what you should do and what the Quran is trying to guide us to do is first let us think how heavy kufr is. You see? And we're not aware of that. Just like the person, if somebody murdered your friend or your mother or your wife, you would feel how heavy that murder is. And you would genuinely feel that that person should be in jail forever. Right? So the first thing we should try to do is try to understand and appreciate. And that's what Allah is trying to tell us. Ya karim. That when you have such a kind and wonderful Rabb, and especially the original recipients of these verses, that those Jews and Christians and idol worshippers that see the Prophet ﷺ in between them, they see his pure beauty of his face, they see the purity of his character, and all these incidents that they, in their heart they even knew he was the Prophet, and still they disbelieve. So that's a very heavy type of kufr, right? And certainly for lesser types of kufr, there is a lesser type of azab. There's no doubt about that in this song. Just like those people who take heavy iman, they will get heavy sawab, that's called genital for those. And there will be people who have lesser types of iman, and they will have lesser levels of jannah. So the thing to appreciate here is how heavy these people's kufr were. Because they knew. That came over and over and over again. They knew Isa was not the son of God. They knew Sayyidina Rasulullah was the Prophet of Allah. They knew the Quran was true. They knew those parts of their Torah and Injil were true and they started changing it. And you add all that stuff up. And then the earlier communities, they killed their own prophets, right? You're talking about extremely heavy kufr. So whenever Allah Ta'ala mentions his adab and adim and alim, it's, it, it should inflict fear on your heart. But before you get a bit worried, right? And think, why does Allah Ta'ala do this? Think and reflect a bit on the heaviness of the kufr that was described in the previous ayat that led to the statement of intense punishment. Alright? And then we ourselves, although alhamdulillah we are Muslim, we are mu'mineen, Allah knows best what will happen, what, who will keep their iman from this moment until the moment we come in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. From this moment to the moment. So we should always be scared. Especially that ayat that we read today at the very end, almost at the very end. Second, third, last. That those people who have kufr after they had iman. So we're actually in danger of that because in order to fall into the ayat, you have to have iman first. <laughs> right? So we are, all, we are in the category now of danger of that possibility. To have kufr ba'dil iman. Because we are now ahli iman. Alhamdulillah. So we should make lots of dua to Allah subhanahu wa Allah Ta'ala keep us on our iman. May He give us correct understanding of deen. May He protect us and all of the youth and even middle-aged and elderly people from this ummah from any type of understanding and explanation of deens that would make us have su- is, you know, be badguman, to have negative or pessimism or cynicism towards deen. Right? 
make dua inshallah subhana rabbi la wahab allahumma salli ala sayyidina muhammad wa ala ali sayyidina muhammad wa barik wasallam rabbana zalamna anfusana wa illam takfir lana wa tarhamna lanakunanna minal khasirin ya allah ya rabbi kareem aapka azab ka tazkira bar bar quran kareem mein aata hai hum apni zindagi mein dekhte hum bar bar guna karte hain ya rabbi kareem aise na ho ki hum bar bar guna karte karte aapka bar bar azab apne aap ko mustahik kar rahe ya rabbi kareem apne maafi ka mamla farma dijiye humne to ye bhi dekha quran mein ke bar bar aapka ghafoor aur rahim wala tazkira aata hai ahle iman ke liye unki bisharat ke ishare aate hain ya rabbi kareem hame hamesha iman walon mein se bana apni tawfeeq ata farma ya rabbi kareem اس ایمان کو ہمارے دل میں سب سے قیمتی چیز بنا even slightly displease you ya allah if there's anything about us anything in the way we talk anything in the way we think anything in the way we feel anything in the way we act anything in the way we behave anything about what we do that is even the slightest displeasing to you ya allah we ask that you take it away from us we ask that you replace it with that which is pleasing to you that which is better for us in our akhirah that is better for us in our deen and that will also bring us happiness in this world ya rabbi kareem we also want to be lahu muslimun we want to be only and only for you we want to submit only to you we want to worship only you we want to obey only you and your nabi kareem sallallahu alaihi wasallam and all of those that you have commanded us to associate with and ya allah we want you to be our wali ya allah you said in quran wallahu waliyul mu'minin ya allah you gave an opportunity for us you could have said wallahu waliyul muttaqin we would have been excluded you could have said wallahu waliyus sabirin we would have been excluded you could have said wallahu waliyus shakirin we would have been excluded ya allah it was your mercy that you said wallahu waliyul mu'minin ya allah we make niyat of iman once again in our hearts we pledge our iman once again to you ya allah we ask that you become our wali that you become our friend that you become our guide that you become our caretaker that you become our benefactor ya allah for a wali like you for a guardian like you we are wish willing to give up ourselves entirely ya rabbi kareem accept our dua make this the feeling of our heart give us istiqamat on this feeling and give a life give us a life that earns your pleasure rabbana taqabbal minna innaka antas samiul alim wa tub alaina innaka antat tawwabur rahim wa sallallahu ta'ala ala habibihi sayyidina muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajmain bi rahmatika ya arhamar rahim Amen.